solemnly swear that I am up to no good. Bum bum ba bum 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 bum. Welcome to another episode. I'm Molly. I'm Alice. And I'm Jessa. And, and this is Potter Watch. We did it. We did it. <laughs> We're here for part two of volume two of uh, TV and movie sorting, something like that. Yeah, I think the way it's organized, we did like one movie and the rest of them were TV shows slash books. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For this episode, you can look forward to The Hunger Games, The Americans, Westworld, Buffy, Kimmy Schmidt, and One Tree Hill. And Insecure. And Insecure. Sorry, I didn't scroll on my Google Doc. <laughs> um... And we have Jessa again from part one. You don't have to listen to part one, but like you should just listen to part one. Why didn't you listen last week? What was wrong? What were you doing? What other podcasts are there even? If there were any fandoms, in, if like if you had no fandoms that were discussed in part one, I seriously question your taste. It was wide ranging. That's true. We did try and like give everybody a little taste. Okay, guys? Yeah. No. I also think we're a little bit more modern in general with the, these two episodes. Like the first one we did, I feel like we did more like older TV shows and stuff, mm. but I don't remember. I mean, we have Buffy in here and uh, One Tree Hill, but <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, well, I don't even remember what we did last time, honestly. <laughs> I just want the listeners to know that the last time ended approximately five minutes ago. No, no, I'm sorry. I meant the last time we did a TV sorting. Oh, I thought you meant you couldn't remember. <laughs> I was like, honey, <laughs> that's heat stroke. <laughs> In your cold apartment. Uh, no, the last time we did the TV sorting, I want to say we did older stuff, but I don't remember. Oh, okay. Now this makes sense. I thought you were literally talking about part one of this recording. So this yeah. is part two, volume two. Oh, I'm so sorry. Or volume two, part two. And we did volume one like two years ago. <laughs> yes. Uh, the only thing I remember about that is that we did Riverdale. I can't believe Riverdale's been on that long. Yes. This was when there were only two seasons out. We did Riverdale. I think we did Game of Thrones. We, did, we definitely did Game of Thrones. Oh, and we mm-hmm. did Gilmore Girls. Gilmore Girls, yeah. We don't... If you want to uh, talk... Gossip, gossip Girl! <laughs> go, uh, go, uh, go listen to that episode if you, you missed it. It was a lot more heated, but there was, like, also five people arguing. Or six. It was a big number of people talking oh yeah there were a lot of people talking and two of those people were Gryffindors me included uh me and um friend of the podcast Annika uh got into it and then (laughs) like hard to reach consensus when you have multiple Gryffindors in the room there was not a lot of consensus I'm self-aware. I do think we were picking more controversial fandoms. Like, we were in the thick of Game of Thrones. It was when it was still good. We had a lot of feelings. Yeah, (laughs) that's fair. Um, And then we had, like, Ben and Griffin and myself. So, I it just seemed like a lot of voices. But anyway, um, and if you want to get to know Jess and her Harry Potter feelings, go listen to part one, volume two. (laughs) Short story. It's okay. 
Um, so we'll start with the Hunger Games, which full disclosure, I've seen the first movie when it like around the time it came out. <laughs> so that's why um, in this little Google Doc, I prepared the Hunger Games section. There's a parentheses that says all ish. But I'm happy <laughs> to play along. Gotcha. I'm happy to like say what I thought and then you guys be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, well, we could do well, that. That'll be really interesting. Yeah. Based on your, uh, your. Yeah, so we're working off that I saw one movie and it was a long time ago. <laughs> All right. I thought that the world itself, like the universe house, I said it was Gryffindor, but it doesn't really believe in it. Like it doesn't believe in its own. Like belief. burnt Gryffindor. Yeah. Yeah. It's a burnt. You're right. It's a. Ooh. it's very but it, there is like a slytherin edge to it because it's competition and like hierarchy yeah. it's definitely a world that rewards you for being able to be quick on your feet and manipulate your way to the top yes but i don't yeah i i definitely think the games are slytherin for but sure I, but i think because nobody in not except for like maybe some careers wants to be there it's a right. very like, underdog gryffindor story cuz you're watching a bunch of people just trying to survive well and the framework which really you know the series set up an entire wave of obsession with chosen one fights the dystopia fiction is well, I mean, I, I think a chosen one narrative at its very core is Gryffindor. It's the idea of like, you're the one hero with the moxie to save the day. But Hunger Games, the ultimate message is war fucking sucks. It doesn't matter if you're good or bad or in the middle. Um, there are no heroes. And anybody who's trying to be a hero will ultimately try to grab power and continue the cycle. Or be destroyed. Yes. So it's very cynical. And like the whole caste system is like very Slytherin, I feel like. Mm, mm -hmm. um, okay, but so Katniss, I said she's a Gryffindor. <laughs> we are vigorously shaking our heads. Shaking the heads. I do think the uh, change my mind. I do think Jennifer Lawrence of it all does sway mm. people a little bit. I think Katniss is a Slytherin hunter. For sure. Katniss does not believe in the cause. She does not care. She cares about her family and she can literally rank them. Like it's Prim and then Gail. And then like, she's sort of mixed about Gail's family and her mom and where they fall into it. And then she's like in the mix somewhere. And then everybody else can all go jump in the middle of a fire. Ida works his way into the list and then she's That's really pushed out. Part of the list and even Within a couple months of PETA, he bumps his way up ahead of mom. But, yeah. <laughs> but, but she's also pissed off every time another person works onto the list. Because she has like this really, she has a value system about like owing people. So if somebody does her a favor, like the reason PETA is anywhere on the list to begin with is because he saved her life. And she's like, fuck, I owe him now. So he like gets, you know, he has like one chip. So every time somebody does something to save her or in her favor, she's really annoyed because that's like another, I have an, you know, I owe them one more thing. Uh, and yeah, it's a bit, she lives in a very Slytherin system. And the way she speaks with Hamish, 
and is like she gets his clues she understands his clues in a very slytherin way and then of course her ultimate slytherin is her continued manipulation of Peta to get herself sweet dumb Peta. <laughs> um i've been convinced <laughs> i also yeah i was thinking like the whole her sister thing seemed very Gryffindor like at the time but now what you're saying like makes a lot more sense like no I'm protecting like the people in my circle like right and I think the show doesn't the movie doesn't show it as much but she's like ready to kill some people like she's like I have to get back so that I can support my family my mom will not take care of Prim so she's like I'm gonna kill these people this is how I'm gonna do it yeah it's like calculated I do think her Gryffindor she has like a little sprinkling of Gryffindor in that um well she's certainly brave he's brave and she like in the third book the only way to really get her she does start to care about the cause a little bit because the only way to get her to perform is to like true uh to is to put her in a situation where she's passionate about something. So I think that's very Gryffindor is that she she is at some points reactionary and that is what becomes how they use her. As she lacks mom. all of like the Gryffin, uh, the uh, Slytherin like performative skills. Like yes. She has no cunning whatsoever. She cannot Just adapt. To the point where she can't read cunning in anyone else. People are literally flashing her secret symbols to say, I'm on your side. And she's like, what a pretty piece of jewelry. She's like, why would you even show me that gold watch? And you're like, Katniss. Idiot. (laughs) Yeah. Or, and she also, because she's so devious, she, the way, and she can't, she's devious, but she can't read cunning. So she just assumes everyone is out to get her with an ulterior motive. Yeah. He's clearly up to something and trying to kill me. He saved my life so he can kill me. Like, yeah. That's really not how that works, babe. <laughs> um, so then Gale, I don't remember him that much from the first movie. I put Gryffindor because he just seems like a, I'm going to protect you kind of guy. Um, but also kind of Hufflepuffy. <laughs> Gale is he's so Gryffindor. Okay. He is a... Literally fiery Gryffindor to the point where, like, like his belief jealous. in the cause leads to literal dead children. <laughs> yeah, that's where it's like his, he's not really puffy. He's like literally Gryffindor soldier here for the cause. Like, if you are capital and you get in my way, then I'm so sorry, but you're dead because yeah. the cause is more important. Yeah. But that deal doesn't really come out until. Yeah. Until like the third one. So I mean like jealous boyfriend or whatever in the first one. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Gail. Um, okay, so PETA, I kind of think I saw part of a later movie actually. And he's like at the Capitol, but like he's like a double agent or something, maybe. So I was gonna say Hufflepuff because he's such Hufflepuff energy, but then I was like, maybe he's actually a Slytherin and he's like playing this game. So I don't know. <laughs> he's a very good player. I think he's a Hufflepuff with the best Slytherin coping mechanisms I've ever seen in a puff. He is like, he literally serves as Katniss's cunning. 
because he's the one who's able in the first games to be like, I don't think it's a lie that he's in love with her, but he's also cunning and knows I can help her survive by playing this up. A thing that would never enter her mind in a million years. And that she continues to be his thing. Like, she finds it out. She punches him in the face. She pushes him into a wall. And he's like, I am trying to save you. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, but, and, but where Katniss has to be put, Katniss is in life a method actor. She has to be thrown into the middle of things to get any performance out of her. PETA can be given a script and can perform it as if it is coming from his heart in the exact moment. Like PETA has all of that shiftability. He's very cunning and manipulative, even to the point where in the third movie and book where he has been taken captive, where Katniss is not sure if it's real what he's saying for a long time because he's hard to read. Yeah. Even by us to some extent. There's a lot of times where we're like, Katniss, he's literally in love with you. I think that's what I saw. And Alex, maybe you were the one that was like, no, he's going to end up. Maybe you like just told me because I like knew he was like a double agent or something. He's not a double agent. He gets um, brainwashed by the Capitol. Oh. So, but I, I do think he has a lot of Slytherin secondary going on. Mm. I think I would put him as a Puff primary and a Hufflepuff stack. Um, and Slytherin secondary, if we were doing like a sorting hat chat situation. Um, I do think he is the heart of the series though, mm -hmm. in a very literal way. Like everyone is speaking about how anyone who meets him, particularly in the second one, when he's in a field and he's in an arena with all victors. So people who have won the Hunger Games, which obviously given the nature of the Hunger Games means you need like a bloodthirsty kind of, you need like an edge of you are, you are someone who could kill other children. Right. And everyone is like, PETA is the case, the separate case. He's different. He mm -hmm. has a heart. He has a moral compass guiding him through the entire series that honestly stays firm until he's brainwashed, which is not his fault. And he's willing to sacrifice himself for Katniss, which could be Slytherin. But I just think that I won't be a, I just want to make sure I'm not a player in their games. Feels very Hufflepuff to me. But then there's also the fact that he joins the careers at the beginning. And he's able to run with that pack and like join their murder group until it, it intersects with Katniss, you know? Yeah. yeah, he does. I don't, I wish we could like, not that I want like a midnight sun, <laughs> but um, I do wish I could see how he reacted in that group. And if yes. he really, because it does seem like they, they want him to prove himself by the end so it seems right. like he's not really participating in the murdery aspects he of it. He killed the girl he personally killed the girl that lit the fire on the first night because Katniss finds out on the very first night that he joined the career pack because she's up in the tree and she realizes some other um uh what are they called tribute has lit a fire and mm -hmm. the careers come and they attack her or whatever and then they come off and they're essentially below Katniss's tree and they're conveniently talking so that we slash Katniss can hear and they're like, oh, no cannon's gone off. She must not be dead yet. And they're like, hey, lover boy, you should go kill her. So yeah. they send Pita to kill her, which on the one hand is like a mercy kill because clearly this girl is like suffering. 
Right. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, there's definitely a lot of strong Slytherin-ness that he has. I feel like I read it right. Yeah, I agree with I, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think, I think uh, I, I will, I think he has a lot of Slytherin and I think he's most interesting aspects are the, his Slytherin nature. So I'm willing to, uh, <laughs> so, um, so President Snow, I just said was a Slytherin because he's like the head honcho or whatever and the main bad guy. <laughs> but like clearly, like this is like a bad guy universe where like you kind of have to be a Slytherin. Sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, Snow is pretty Slytherin. And in the like chapter and a half I read of his origin story book that is unreadable because we didn't need a Snow origin story book. Oh, I will disagree with that. Oh, you like I it? I read the book. Huh? Yeah. I read the book. So but anyway, but um, I actually think Snow may be a claw based on like further information um, because while he does have like, obviously like ambition and all there, he is very much a system person and a great deal of his book, which the name I can't remember, um, is about him like helping to create the system of the games and create the ways that will drive, you know, bring eyes to it and what's going to be a way to bring commerce and what could be the reason, like what purpose do the games serve us as a community and blah, 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 in, in like a very detached claw way, I think. Yes. Um, that makes a lot of sense. I think the orchestrator of like the first games, that's a very, while the games may be very Slytherin, the creating of them seems like a very Ravenclaw process and <laughs> yeah. Thinking all of that through, I think, um, how do you read his poison in the mouth? I'm going to drink it um, to make sure nobody else is betraying me. That's so good and sadly is not in this book. We're pre him poisoning his political rivals. Um, that definitely reads Slytherin. Because that's um, what I was at. Also the Princess Bride. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm fully fine with him being sorted as Slytherin, you know? No, I think, I mean, you, you finished his book. You clearly know more about him. I will, uh, I will <laughs> land, I will go to whatever, what you're saying. Cause Ravenclaw does make a lot of sense. He doesn't, I don't think he's very good at being charismatic in the way a Slytherin mm. might be. I don't know. Um, well, Slytherin-ish, Ravenclaw-ish. I think, Raven, I think we can say Ravenclaw. He's definitely a cold house. I mean, we know that. He's yeah. not a hot-headed villain in any way. Yeah. Um, yeah. I didn't have anything for Prim or Finnick just because I didn't feel like I could talk about either of those characters from the first movie. I didn't even remember who Finnick was, so. Oh, you didn't meet Finnick. Okay. Prim, did you put Prim as Puff? Yeah. She's a healer, you know. She wants to, like, heal broken animals to start with. Yes. I think she's a, yeah, and she's, I mean, clearly with her whole, like, she's a very work- focused person like I'll get yeah. the work done I'll do my job I'll do the work yeah she has a lot of steel more than what we sometimes think of as a, a puff but she's a child who lives in a war essentially so yeah I think she's a very strong puff I would say but mm -hmm. she's she's got that in her um uh, Gryffindor 
Yeah, with a really strong Slytherin performance though. And that's his protective armor is to make everybody think I'm like, ooh, I'm sly and cunning and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, he's a heart guy. He's fully a heart guy. Yeah. Um, so Hamish or AKA Woody Harrelson's character, as I kept calling him, I was just basing it off of like what I remembered. And this is the only time I gave a burnt character. Like I said, burnt Gryffindor. Same. Same. <laughs> I literally have like, Gryffindor. He's yep. like so sad, but like he clearly has this spirit. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah. I just love Woody Harrelson, so I remember him most. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, I think Hamish is a great character. I think he's dealing with a lot of trauma. So, but you do get a lot of who he really is. And I think specifically when in Catching Fire, the second one, mm-hmm. when you see what he was in the games where he took he took in the, like, girl from his district. And, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's all very Gryffindor, who he was yeah. before. And the fact that as uh, wrecked as he is, he joins the, the revolution, you know, and, like, is working. I, yeah, I, I see him as a Gryffindor on, like, a healing journey, like, getting some hope back. So that he can mm-hmm. be like, okay, my cause, like, it's not lost. Like, I can keep moving. Yeah, and he literally dissociates because everyone, all the kids are dying. Right. Like, and he's kind of like an Abba Forth. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I see that. Mm-hmm. Um, Effie, I said she's a Slytherin. Mm-hmm. I actually went with Puff. I, I- give a Slytherin because she does have ambitions but also her ambitions are very, she's like, I'm going to work for my ambitions. Like mm-hmm. we're going to keep the trains on time. We're going to follow our schedule. We're going to do there. I'm going to make sure that you guys get popular. That's going to give me the promotion that I want. I'm going to just keep working. Yes. I think I said Hufflepuff too, because I think she probably. <laughs> she's also like, both I- like bad. I think in the first one, like you're not supposed to like her very much. I think. I think maybe, yeah, maybe in the show. I love, I've always loved, I mean, in the movie, I've always loved book Effie because she's just, like, trying. (laughs) She cares in her very, very limited way. She actually, if you rub coal, it turns to diamonds. (laughs) I like, that's not true. My pearls. She says it turns to pearls. Oh, pearl. (laughs) My memory of her is that she was, like, very manipulative and, like, being very strategic and everything like with the capital but that's again mm. that was just like the first movie I don't think and a little bit of that I think the third movie or something manipulative I think what you see is what you get like she's a little bit she's a little bit like simple in that way and not I don't mean that in a rude way but like that's part of her arc is that she's really like buying what the capital is selling and then she is like slowly becomes less ignorant about what's happening and then she ends up choosing people over like her success like she kind of disappears from the book and gets replaced by Katniss's like glam team um which then for the movies I think they made the very wise decision to keep Effie so we we don't get yeah lost in that um, but when Katniss thinks of the glam team in District 13, she always thinks of them as like these silly little birds. 
or that's what they've always reminded her of as like these silly little birds. And she's like, I can't even be mad at them or frightened of them because they don't even know anything. They're just these silly little birds that like flit around me and like peck at me. And I, I see that with Effie too, as like kind of the queen bird, you know? Yes, for sure. Especially in, it's just sad. Her arc, I've just been listening. I just finished listening to Catching Fire mm. on my drive back from Kentucky a few months ago. And it's so sad <laughs> to watch her in the, um, uh, the victory tour because she's going to all of these lower districts and she's, you're watching a person's life be ruined before, like what she believed before her eyes. Like she sees what's gonna happen to Katniss and Peeta and nobody's really letting her in the loop cause she can't really handle it, but she knows things are dangerous. She's a very interesting character. I think it is sad we lose her in the third one. Yeah. Um, and then I didn't have anything for Joanna cause I didn't know who that was. Pepper is a Gryffindor with a death wish. <laughs> God bless her. She's a Gryffindor. Very hot. I mean, there is a, a portion of fandom which ships her with Gale, which I get, I think is a disaster pairing, but I see where they're coming from. No. Joanna's only um, acceptable ship is Katniss, and that is what right. I believe. Because I also don't hate Joanna and Annie post book three. I think there's a lot of healing that can happen there. I like this, you know, journey. Yeah. Yes. If we're like trying to make like an in canon ship, yeah. I think Joanna and Annie is a great, a great option. But similar to Tonks, um, she only belongs with a woman. Yeah. I 100%. <laughs> All right, should we move on to the Americans? Yes. Um, I think clearly a Slytherin-based world. I actually sort it as like a really cold Gryffindor because it is about a cause, you know? Like these well, are all people fighting for a cause, but like ice cold. I thought about that too. And I was thinking about like the role of Mother Russia and I feel mm. like that's the ultimate circle for Slytherin in some ways. Yeah, that's interesting. But I mean, it's literally a spy show. Right. So Slytherin obviously makes sense. Yeah. Um, I don't want to spoil too much, Alex, because I know you want to watch it. You've watched I, some, right? I've Yes, I've watched like half of the first season. Um, so, but I don't want to contribute to your like, because I don't know what, who some of these characters are. Like, I'm assuming some of them are the children, and they don't have personalities, really, where I am. <laughs> yeah. Um, One of them's going to. I know the daughter, I I know the daughter gets bold, <laughs> I shall say. Um. So I think Elizabeth is definitely like Slytherin. Oh, I have her as the strongest Gryffindor, because, like, no one has ever believed as much as Elizabeth has believed. Like she's the true believer in the pairing. I yes, yeah, so I that's what I was thinking about. But like that's where I like made Mother Russia part of this like slither. Like that's that's why I had to kind of like put Mother Russia as like a character. <laughs> I think that Elizabeth. I mean, she one hundred percent changes, obviously. Yeah. But for quite a bit of the show, she's 
fine with throwing Philip under the bus. Like Philip is, she's not protecting Philip. Like she does love her children and she will care for them, but like it's the cause. When they think that one of them is gonna be killed at the end of season one, she's like, you're the good dad, you'll take care of the kids. I'm gonna go sacrifice myself in a flame of glory for my country. And you're gonna go take the kids and and be you know. I think if I shift Mother Russia to the cause and not a character, I definitely agree with you that she's a Gryffindor. But if I think of her taking care of Mother Russia as her like number one, mm. I think her debt would like she's obviously cutting and all of that stuff like right goes without saying. And I think she's ambitious in the sense that she wants to be the very best spy for her country she's like bellatrix in that way like she Mm -hmm. has to be there she has to do that for Voldemort, kind of yeah i just see her as like the most pure patriot though like i don't i don't think philip at all maybe not at all but i don't think philip believes in the cause in anywhere near the degree that elizabeth does like she is a patriot so what did you sort philip as I've sorted Philip as Slytherin because See, for I him, his family him. is above. See, yeah, because I, 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 in the short bit that I've seen, he seems really like I want the kids and us to be safe over the cause, and she seems like you guys could all die for all I care. This is my mission, so yeah. you have to get on board or step off. That's yeah. true, and like what ends up happening with Martha, I think, is very Slytherin of him. Yes. Uh, yeah. He ha- yeah. Philip has and uh with what's her face too, Kimmy. Um oh, Philip yeah. has a lot of difficulty separating out his care for people with the cause. Where Elizabeth, that whole thing in that season where she makes friends with that one woman and she's like briefly conflicted, she's like, Nope, still gonna fuck up your life because this is my yeah. job, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I like the way you're thinking about it. She doesn't have I do think it's confusing because um, I think she has the coldness that you would associate with a Slytherin. Agreed. I'm sorry if you guys have already said this. No, well, I was kind of making a lot of my arguments based on like how I saw Russia as a part of the story, kind of like, you know, uh, Sex and the City, like New York City is a character. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Re- like her relationship to Russia is so much more personal like mm-hmm. it's like a person to her in in like a way but I like how you're making your arguments just like I think that's really a much better way of thinking about it yeah because I just she is completely unconflicted and even people that she cares about who would theoretically be in her circle the moment they cross the line with like her cause she's like nope I'm done nope I can cut that out I can deal with, I can live without you, you know? It really takes her several seasons to start to thaw a bit and to connect more to people. I mean, and that's like shattering for her and her belief system and, you know, yeah. that's a whole thing for her to And if with. like, this was Harry Potter and she was Harry Potter and like the US was the Death Eaters, we wouldn't mm-hmm. even, we would be like, yes, she's a Gryffindor. Like, I think right. thinking of it too, like, well, she's a communist or like whatever. Right, yeah. And, and like clearly she's like doing like quote unquote bad things. But um, yeah, it's interesting. 
I love Elizabeth. I loved uh, the Americans. Oh, me too. I love those characters so much. And I love that they they went against like what would be the stereotypical plot and had her be the hardline one. Like she's the stern one. She's the more prone to be violent. I do think in the end, Philip is the worst person to come in, co- in contact with like when he's in a bad place because where Elizabeth is more likely to go to violence, Philip is more likely to kill you if you cross that line. Like, which I mean, I know Alex knows just from the, the from the pilot, the second he finds out that what's his face had raped Elizabeth, he, that's it, he kills him. Like, yeah, that's the cornerstone of how I think of him because I don't know much else, but I know like he immediately murdered him. Like, he, yeah. like but he, that's also why I originally sorted him as Gryffindor because I think he's more run by his emotions. Like he lets his emotions get the better of him in a very Gryffindor way, like a Slytherin, like the way Elizabeth can separate her emotions, I feel like is very Slytherin. Like she can put that aside, like compartmentalize a little bit better. I think think she's deeply emotional about her cause though. Yes. But when she, when she's like, but but as a a person, she's very cold. Um, And I mean, of course they've both come through a war. So there is a trauma level there. But I also think in general, this is a little bit where sorting hat chaps could be useful because where she's definitely a Gryffindor primary, I think by the nature of her job, she is probably a Slytherin secondary where her adaptability and her, her ability to like compartmentalize to get the job done. Like I think she's got both really working for her to do what she set out to do. Yeah, and probably then Philip is the the exact yeah. opposite, where he's a Gryffindor primary. I mean, a, a Slytherin primary, um, but uh, but that Gryffindor, that warm Gryffindor secondary. Right. Even like the very, it's very early on in the first season where like they think he's like a traitor because his like emotions got the better of him. Right. With everything, um, that feels very. Gryffindor, but it definitely goes against his like cause, quote unquote. But. Yeah, but to, the cause for Philip to me seems so much like a costume or or like something that other people put on him. So his arc is very much. I mean, we see it from the first episode. Like, we get a happy moment where he is at the mall with his kid and he puts on cowboy boots and is goofing off. Like Philip is very into America, which is you know a lot of the conflict that he and Elizabeth have at least in the first season. Um, that he's very tempted because he doesn't believe as much as she does. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to watch the rest of this show. They both have such great arcs. And it's oh, fascinating where they end up at the end. Oh, so good. That finale. I, I don't think any show has ever been better at musical choices, I just have to say. And that final needle drop in the finale. Did I cry? Yes, I did. <laughs> Um, loves a train if you know you know um okay henry i have no opinions on henry is that a real person (laughs) i said he's like a hufflepuff just as like juxtaposition of his parents like he's like the ultimate like sweet american kid yeah kind of oblivious of all of this what what did you say alex yes Yes. Poor Henry, and I love that in later seasons they address the where is Henry and like he's at boarding school learning lacrosse. 
Um, I mean, I guess he could also be like a Gryffindor. He like stands up for his sister that one time. Yeah, he's definitely quicker on the uptake than she is in that situation. Yeah, but he's like very oblivious and go with the flow in so many ways. Yeah, he is. Incredibly oblivious. A little underdeveloped, honestly. I, I kept waiting for Henry to do something. I think they put so much effort into Paige, which is great. I mean, I mean, I hated Paige in the beginning, but um, she's a teenager, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> but like, I, yeah, I was kind of waiting, especially with his relationship with Stan, like for more to right. happen there. Yes, agreed. Um, but yeah, okay. So, what did you think of Paige? Because I had a hard time sorting her. I think Paige is a Gryffindor. She's a lot like her mother, but the issue is, and the constant conflict that she has with Elizabeth is that. Paige is an American and Elizabeth can't make her Russian. You know, it's just not going to happen. So the, with, because, you know, Paige goes on a journey of searching for something to believe in. She gets really into Christianity for a while, you know, right. um, because that's her, her instinct is to want to believe in something. And Elizabeth's like, why don't you believe in communism? Like, let's believe in the USSR. And she tries. Anyway, they're yeah. different people, and and Paige isn't is in the end she's an American, and that's where their constant conflict comes in. I think I actually ultimately put her in Ravenclaw. Hmm, interesting. I th- I thought about it in the sense of she can get like in her own way in some ways, which could be very Gryffindor. Um, and even like the when she does start to embrace like the Russian stuff, she's like le- like she's very much like learning it That's and like true. living like she's kind of going through this whole journey. And I feel like in more of a Ravenclaw way, mm. but I also feel that like cause girl energy, like very emotional. But that's also like very teenager. Um, but she's very also like, kind of got this like studiousness to her, um, and she like figures it all out, which is, I feel like is obviously very Ravenclaw. Like that's she's true. really putting the puzzle together. Um, yeah, and that might work too in the way that she has a framework for her life and the way that that gets completely shaken up when, you know, she finds out what's going on with her parents and the turmoil that puts her into. So yeah, I buy that. I buy her as a Ravenclaw. And she's like, I feel like her her ultimate ending feels like not that Gryffindor. Right. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, in some ways it is. It's like a very brave decision, but in some ways it's like, calculated yeah I don't know that's interesting I buy that um Stan I was like Gryffindor (laughs) I definitely see that but I in the end I just put him as a puff because I'm like this man just wants to be happy he just wants to do his job he wants his friends to be not Russian spies you know he's like I would like life to be normal I'm, he's, I don't see him, definitely don't see him as ambitious at all. No. Even though he's in a job that would support him being like really ambitious. Yeah. I think he's like not afraid to like take risks and stuff. Yeah. But I think you're right that he is like more humble buff. He like doesn't want to believe the worst in people. Right. Including his love interest. And right. I think that is very Hufflepuff. Yeah. 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 I <laughs> Yeah, which leads, and I mean, we still have the big mystery with his girlfriend in the final season. They're like, is she or isn't she? That, or oh, that girlfriend. Yes. And I was like, I don't know. It, and that was never answered. She's like, Stan is a little oblivious for the job that he has. Like, he should be better at this. Yeah. I just think of that first episode where he, like, looks in their garage. was, like, such yeah. a Gryffindor move. Yeah. 
but I think that that's like kind of a misnomer like I think he ends up really showing his Hufflepuff I think it's like the first season of Gilmore Girls when Luke and Lorelai like came on really hot and heavy and then they're like oh this show's gonna last a while we're gonna dial this way back you know so if he had that strong of a suspicion at the beginning there's no way we go yeah but I think they walked it back really well they were like oh he trusts them now so yeah we're good yeah that was so intense yeah I just remember watching that's I mean that hooked us that first episode yes it's the probably the only show other than something that would have subtitles that I am like, you have to watch. Like you can't multitask because the Americans yeah. is so quiet and so tense. Like that episode where there's a car chase that literally goes at like 40 miles an hour and it lasts for like 25 minutes of screen time. And you're just like, I am going to pull out my teeth from mm-hmm. the tension. It's so much. <laughs> pull out your teeth. Yeah. And that's a theme of that episode. Um, um, I have to to say that is why I had to put the brakes on watching it because trying to watch like I think it I think I was just stressed out at the time while I was trying to watch it but um I was watching like multiple episodes when I got home from work and I my I was just so tense like I was just like sitting in my room and my roommate would come home and be like are you okay because I would just be rigidly in my bed like oh my god they're all gonna die at all yeah yeah it's I think I've I've felt the same way about Game of Thrones where I was like I can't be on my phone during this show like Mm. I have to be watching it um and now we're watching Succession which I don't feel like I need to be hyper focused but it's very stressful (laughs) I love Succession so much. Um, Oleg? I have question mark, question mark, sexy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I said a Gryffindor in the same sense, I think, that you think of Elizabeth as a Gryffindor. Mm. Like, especially at the last season, he, like, makes a really Gryffindor decision. That's very true. Very true. I feel, I'm just, I wanted the best for him. Yes. Um, Martha? This is where I have to go on a slight rant about the sorting house system. Okay. I kept coming across this in everything where I was trying to sort. I'm like, there's no house that is specifically based on love. They're all about loyalty, which is not love, and ambition, and bravery, and cunning, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. None of those are love, which is wild. When allegedly the thesis of your entire work is love is what makes it all work. Love is the one magical thing you have that the bad guy doesn't have. Love is the center of this universe. Yet the whole system by which everyone is sorted and like bases their entire life, none of it includes love. Anyway, Martha is in the fifth house that doesn't exist where people just want to be loved. That's literally all they want. Why can't you just love her? I... Because of that, I put her in Hufflepuff. Yeah, that works. I do think Hufflepuff is accidentally the love house. And she could have said that instead of saying Hufflepuff takes the rest. Right. Good Lord. Like, I think. Like being snotty to Hufflepuff throughout the entire series. Right. And I think then she could have really developed what Hufflepuff is because I do think they are the love house full of people that want to love and want to be loved yeah and it would be and people would be less likely to just use them as a catch-all and right. so it would have more specific you know yeah because I like the muggle I would believe Tonks no <laughs> um she, I think she's kind of the muggle of this world for sure 
She her like her actual name. legal name is Poor Martha, for anyone who doesn't know. <laughs> oh, that that was just some rough stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Nina. Ooh, that girl is a Slytherin. Yeah, for sure. I don't know if she believes in anything or loves anyone. She wants to survive, period. And she will do or be whatever it takes. She's a well, fascinating agreed. character. Agreed. And then Claudia, I just really like this actress a lot. Yeah. It was um, called so I, that's why I included her. Granny for the entire first season. I feel like we didn't even get her actual name until like season two, right? It took yeah. forever to really get her name. Well, did you watch this show called Justified? No. It's like a very um, interesting show. It's, I, I think it's excellent, but it's a very boy heavy show. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's in that and she plays like this really great character in that show. Um, yeah. And she's just a really wonderful character. But I said Slytherin. Yeah. Because she's, she's pulling the strings a bit. She is. I Okay, so this is going to sound insane, but I actually went with Hufflepuff for her. And it's a long path. I think it has to do with her, um, her sense of duty. Um, and I went to, there's a, a movie based on a book, it's called The Painted Veil. And there's a character in it, this mother superior, who is explaining her relationship to God. And she says, we are an old married couple at this point. She says, he knows that I won't leave him. And I know that he's not going to help me or whatever. And it's the, the feeling of like, this is, duty and she she's specifically talking to the lead characters like this is duty but what is love and love is another thing but that's what I get from Claudia Claudia is an old soldier Claudia uh, her feet are sore and tired but this is duty and she will just continue like nothing's gonna stop her she's gonna do the work you know I love the duty argument that's a really good one I I think Slytherin because like I said I think she's pulling the strings a bit and yeah you really know where she stands right Yes. Like she may have at some point been Elizabeth. I think there's some suggestion to that effect, but at this point there's, there's no passion left. You know, she's doing the job. She doesn't care about anybody's histrionics. It's just, this is the orders. You're going to carry them out. You know what? We're going to do the job. That's what we're here for. You know, we have a duty to do. And I'm like tired of your Gryffindor over exert. Yeah. She's like, why are you in love right now? Nobody asked for that. (laughs) Mm. But there's definitely some Slytherin manipulation, specifically with Philip and Elizabeth's relationship. Again, she doesn't trust feelings. And so she's like, mm, let me tell you the truth about your partner right now, you know, so. And Paige. Yeah, for sure. Oh, her playing granny again to Paige, being like, I'm going to make you borscht. Let me tell you cute stories about my childhood. Elizabeth's like, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> this production you're putting on? Like, Could you stop? <laughs> Drink some olive oil before you go drinking. Right. Oh, well, she's such a, she is a brilliant actress, though. Yeah. All right. Well, that was Americans. Everyone should watch Americans if you haven't seen it. I don't think we spoiled too much. It's truly one of the great TV shows of the past decade. I think underrated. For sure, which is insane. Like, it's so, so brilliant. Also, Matthew Reese is Welsh, and he has an utterly flawless american accent also he and carrie wrestler are dating in real life and i'm obsessed with They're it very hot um also i don't think carrie wrestle ever won she for- didn't they finally gave matthew reese an emmy at the very end they're like i mean i guess we can talk about americans but didn't give it to carrie russell 
And I think he did amazing, but she was unfucking believable. She's the star. Like as much as it's a two-hander, Elizabeth is the star and Philip is the supporting role. Whatever. It's fine. I'm not bitter. Also, like, she was so happy when he won. <laughs> yes. And then, oh, my God, who was it? Somebody earlier that night had proposed. And so he made a joke about not proposing. And she is such a, she's couldn't be further from Elizabeth. I mean, neither of them could be further from know, yeah. their characters. And she made a great, like, <laughs> please no, we're so not doing the marriage thing. I mean, technically, I they were married to other people when they started dating that's fine <laughs> i heard her on a podcast and she was very candid and i loved her for oh, it. she's great they're great i, I love them and they should definitely be together that. forever yes um did you, was, you listen to it right Alex? i, I listened to it it's Dax shepherd's podcast which oh, okay we, which we talk about a lot in which jess has listened to the amelia clark episode i think mm-hmm. yeah um yeah, she has a she she's really yeah, she's really candid. She's funny in it. Like she's just a charming person to talk to. Yeah. It's like talking to like the cool girl that was like nice to you in high school. She like, also brought her own beers. Yeah. <laughs> I always see them described as the couple who are like one of threesome and you're like, I mean, yeah. Are you sure? <laughs> That they like seem like they swing, and you'd be like, "Yeah, I'm into that." Let's. See I mean, like, look at those two people. Correct. Who's saying no. Correct. They're definitely kinky. Oh yeah, for oh, sure. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Speaking of kinky, Westworld. <laughs> Yikes. Beautifully transitioned. <laughs> Gorgeous. Um. All right. Let's just get right into it, Dolores. I. I feel like she has to be like kind of an ultimate Gryffindor. I put Gryffindor because of the way that she develops in season two when she gets her own personality, even though I think that was a less interesting way to go for her character. See, I have issues because I loved season one of Westworld. And I do not like season two, and I never watched season three. And I feel like season two, like trying to figure out what the house universe, universe house, whatever, how we say that. I was like, it's different every season. Um, And I think based on what I've read about season three, that season two is actually the show they were making. Um, So I just, I have disappointment with that. I love the characters and world of season one. Based on that alone, I see Dolores as a Hufflepuff. I mean, obviously the character of Dolores is a Hufflepuff. You know, I see the beauty in the world, you know. But I think some of who she herself is, is that as well. I do think season two is a boring direction they took her. Weirdly, they made her like a male fantasy of female empowerment, which just meant she like shot everyone. And I thought that was- She's like a general. Yeah. And in season three, I definitely think she's a Slytherin. I've I've only watched part of season three. Um, but she's definitely recreating the world in the human world. So she's like um, hacking everything. She's like pulling all these strings. She's like buying up companies. Like she's doing all of this very strategic stuff in season three. Um, and it's very ambitious. She wants to like control the humans now. Now that she's been controlled her whole life, she wants to be in control, uh, clearly. Um, and I think that 
Um, See, yeah, I've I haven't watched any of season three. Um, I accidentally spoiled one thing that happens because I had to. I forgot what a character was basically and had to look it up. And then I was like, Oh, Dolores does that. Wow. (laughs) Um, but, um, yeah, based, I think there's an argument to be made for her, her seeking of truth and of knowledge. Um, it is, a Ravenclaw because she's questioning and in hmm. and, and she's really trying but I mean that's natural but I do think there's a certain kind of person to step back and like think of the clues like she puts it all together she's like my dad did this like in a similar way you were talking about who were we talking about earlier that was like you had to be smart to put all those clues together you had to ask the right questions and I think that's a very Ravenclaw thing to no actually I'm gonna hold that I think actually she's ultimately a Ravenclaw because she is adapting and she's trying to figure out her own path she doesn't want to be governed by other people which even if she's changing to be more Slytherin in three and in two she's more Gryffindor she's finding a system that works for her that makes sense because her her literal journey in season one is retracing the path that she took with William the first time and yeah. trying to work out what that means to herself and what's the maze and all that. So I buy that. I, I also think that's the universe in the end is a, a Ravenclaw universe because it's very thinky. It's all yeah, puzzles. Yeah. I just I, think that's what drives her, which is why I struggle with Ravenclaw. Yeah. I I mean, I'm not the person to ask about what drives her because um, because I think a lot of that comes from like the second and third season, whereas the second season, vengeance seemed to drive her, which I don't think has like a necessary house, except Gryffindor, maybe, if you want to make her like revenge her cause. Oh, it's so boring though. Her realization of self in the, the season one finale was so beautiful. Like the moment when she's sitting there being interrogated by Arnold and he says, you know whose voice it is you actually hear, right? And it turns and she's looking at herself then instead of Arnold. Oh, gorgeous. And I think it's so boring to be like, revenge, pow, pow, shoot him up. Oh, sadness. But, um, I do, when you just described that, think that um, Dolores discovered who she was so that Elsa could then discover who she was in Frozen 2. <laughs> Elsa also discovered that the voice was herself. That's, that is correct. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> um, so shall we say um, robots can't be sorted, but let's <laughs> go with Gryffindor. <laughs> Well, we're going to have a hard time then with the rest of these characters. (laughs) I think a lot of them... uh, A single character is a robot except for like two. Or possibly has been a robot at one time. No, you're correct. Currently in the narrative, actually. You're correct. They are a lot of them robots, but not a lot of them... A lot of them, I think, hold more to their programmed selves than um 
than Dolores does because she's yeah. the one that goes on that path to enlightenment. So we can kind of like sort the characters within the character. Do you guys want one small spoiler for season three? Yeah, I'm not going to watch it, so I'm fine. Um, Ashley Stubbs' character is a robot. Okay. And they bring him back. I think it's really boring to keep being like, and this person is a robot. Like, it was really genuinely shocking in the beginning because we were understanding what that meant. But a lot of stories do this when they continue with more seasons than were planned. They keep trying to, like, recreate the same thrills. I mean, I we care enough about Ashley Stubbs to care that he was a robot guard instead I of a human. I really forgot who Ashley Stubbs was. That was the I least Hemsworth. Him, Alex, because I was like, I don't want to do this. Least Hemsworth. Yes, least Hemsworth. Um, but I, we were, like, so mad about it when we watched him. We're like, I thought he died. Right. Who? I, why? Um, yeah. Yeah, I do think they um writ themselves wrote themselves a little bit in a corner where it's like they showed all their hands in their first season because it's just like you can't recreate how beautifully orchestrated it is like there's no way you can retell that story it ran into that problem um, I mean I think Bernard was a great reveal well yeah. that's what I'm saying like it that all of that that went around in season one was just so, it was so good. All of the like, aha gasp moments hit at the exact right time. You were trying to figure out the mystery, but there was no way you were going to solve it all. It was just, it's, it was a perfect mystery, but then yeah. there was no way you can keep doing that gimmick to sustain other seasons. So they really do have to restart the show each season. Yeah. Um, but moving on to um the man in black which is very interesting because we also have to sort william which i feel <laughs> is i see a continuity though because Me too. i think the core of him is his need to consume and to own you know and it looked sweet when he was getting everything he wanted at, at the beginning as william but the second he realized he was thwarted he didn't own everything and he wasn't getting what he wanted then it turns nasty. I don't know how we sort that, but to me, that is the core of him. He wants to own everything, he wants to consume. And if he can look like a good guy while he's doing it, great. If he can't, too bad. I said Gryffindor performance. Mm. I think probably... <sighs> I said Ravenclaw. I think probably... He's obsessed with the puzzle of it all. Mm, yeah. yeah. The puzzle was what leaned me Ravenclaw, but his obsession with Dolores is a very, like, Slytherin party of one kind of situation. Yeah. But and I mean, I'm basing mine off of just season one. Like, season two, he, like, no. <laughs> no. It's a very dumb storyline. All of mine are basically season one. He's uh, so, like, chasing a thrill in season one. Because he's like got to the point where he doesn't feel anything, you know, which is why he has that sort of ambiguous moment at the end when like Clemmy is leading the host out of the forest and he realizes like, oh, these are live rounds. They're really going to kill me. And he's like, yes, something real. I'm going to yeah. actually feel, you know. Kill me. Yeah. I don't know what that is. I have. I put American TBH. 
um I kind of put I guess like if I wanted to do like a sorting hat chats I would say almost like a burnt ravenclaw but I think he like that puzzle part of him like is so strong that drives him completely but I yeah it drives like the man in black but it doesn't really drive William but I think the thing with the puzzle is specifically the fact that every single person he meets tells him that's not for you which they're not trying to keep something cool and from cool and new from him. They're literally just telling him the maze isn't for you. It's a, they don't know, but it's a thing to help the other house find humanity. But that's what drives him. It's not because he thinks it's interesting or he is stimulated by like, I'm going to solve the thing. It's like, no, that is mine. Everything here is for me. I can have that. You can't tell me that's not for me. I also doesn't mind cheating at the puzzle, which I think is not very Ravenclaw because he's like not in it to like I hear what you're saying too about like kind of like the consumerism of it and like the um like it's all mine but I also think like even young William he is obsessed with like the structure of the park like he's trying to figure it out and like like beat it even as a young person in some ways like he doesn't think he's he thinks he's not vulnerable to it, I guess, in some ways, which I could could be Slytherin, but um, I don't know. I I keep I kept going back to Ravenclaw, but I hear the arguments you guys are making. He's weird. I I think he's hard to sort because he's he what he he has so many performances. He mm. knows who he wants to be, and then he's also shocked to find that he's not that person and then just stops being a person <laughs> as the man in black because yeah. like, he doesn't feel anything anymore and he wants to live in a fantasy world he I think I'll never a robot and the robots become him <laughs> I think I'll never really get over the shock of I knew pretty early on that William and the man in black were the same person but I had created a narrative in my head where the man in black, we were only seeing him as a villain, but I thought actually he has come to rescue Dolores. Like this was the narrative that I had created. He was willing to do what it took. He had fallen in love with her all the way back then and he'd been trying to get her out of the park. So there was like a great shock of betrayal seeing that William realizing that she is exactly who he always knew she was she's essentially she's a sex worker you know she was putting on the performance that she was required to give for him and his anger and rage at the fact that she didn't belong just to him was that turn where I was like oh no I thought you were a good man but you're not you're a nice guy and realizing that William is a nice guy and the man in black is exactly who he's always shown himself to be you know what there was no 4d chess is exactly what he appears to be. That is so sad for you because I love your version. <laughs> I know. Wasn't my version great? I mean, I'm, I'm not saying I wish that it had, I think it was really well done and written. Um, yeah. So that's, to me, that's the core of him is that nice guy thing, how angry he was and how any of his niceness was just when he, everything was going his way and when he was getting everything he wanted. And the second it went a little different and he wasn't getting what he wanted, he showed you who he truly is. He was always the man in black. 
But like, what is that? What is that? How? I don't think it fits in Harry Potter. I really don't think yeah. it fits in the story. I don't That's think we can take that into account. So I'm, I'm willing, I'm leaning towards uh, giving it to Molly. Also because a lot of our nice guys are, sorry, Ravenclaw's nerds on the internet. So, <laughs> so I buy that. <laughs> I feel like there's been a lot of rape and claw hate today. I'm just gonna say it. I know that seems cruel. I'm sorry. I don't mean it. I love mm-hmm. rape and claw. It just seems like we're. It's like a like a coldness that I don't think of necessarily with rape and claw, but like I don't disagree at all what you guys are saying. But I don't always think of it like that. Yeah. Wait. What do you mean? Oh, a cold, it's- a coldness. Yeah. Sorry. I thought you said a cult, and so I was like, wait, what? I mean, it, you could definitely, definitely do a Ravenclaw cult. That would make a lot of sense. Yes. Um, but I think it's, you know, there's a wide range with Ravenclaw. I mean, it's, traditionally it's a cold house, but there's a wide range because it's all about building a system that you live by. So you can build a, a very cold and practical system that doesn't take yeah. a lot of emotion. You also just get the least amount of characters in Ravenclaw of any house. So, yeah, there's not a lot of examples. Yeah. We're about to get a good Ravenclaw, okay? It's coming up. I can feel it. Are you talking about Maeve? No. <laughs> okay, I was like, really? Not how I would sort I'm thinking like two, two people down. But yes, I think Maeve is a great Slytherin oh. queen. But also a lot of Ravenclaw. I mean, I if you had said that. Yeah, I could see the justification for that. But yeah, she is a Slytherin who is going to survive. She's going to find her people, Clementine and her daughter. And what's his name? The hot guy, hot Carl from Love Actually gets pulled in there, even though she knows he's not really real yet. So she can sacrifice him. Um, yeah, I Maeve is truly the reason to watch the show for anyone who She's Candy my favorite character. Is uh, she's incredible. She's giving an in- great performance. And I think what is so compelling about her character at the end of season one is that she's a Slytherin that has to f- choose between her two uh, hardest things, which are ambition and then her family. And she ultimately yeah. chooses oh. her family. Oh, I love her so much. Like um, season, she makes season two like that's the best part of season two. Absolutely. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. There's a fantastic interview right now with Tandy Newton uh, on Vulture. If you haven't read it, highly recommend. And uh, of course, one of the things they talk about is Westworld. And she is with us. She doesn't really know what exactly she strongly related to Maeve in the first season in her journey and she doesn't really know what's going on with her now and she's very confused by it but in the end she's like uh but I do my job <laughs> I act the script I'm gonna get, get in that sweet sweet HBO money and I'm gonna yeah. act my little butt off doing it exactly and- she will make it work even when it doesn't but it's a great candid wonderful interview highly 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 recommend. yeah she's also in season three and once again it's like that's the most intriguing part but like they're still not really using her. At least we didn't finish it, and we might not. But um, from what we saw, she was definitely super intriguing, as always. Yeah. And they're like, they can really play with her character, I think, so. Tandy can do anything. She's the only thing that I, well, she's one of two only things that I like in the Solo movie, the Han Solo prequel movie. 
Um, she's glorious. I didn't have a sorting for Clementine. Me neither. I you said Hufflepuff. Okay. I in a in a in a love house way. Mm. Um, and uh, if we had a love house, I think she would go there because I think she wants to be loved and nurtured. And I want that for her. So maybe she doesn't want that, but maybe I just want to project that into the world because I love Clementine. I think I she's a, too. a sad bean that must I think be. a lot of it has to do with loving Maeve, though, because she is very much a part of Maeve's circle. And yes. Maeve loves her and wants to protect her. So you transfer that onto her as well, you know? Yeah. So I put Puff just because I wanted her to be loved and protected. And I think at her hearts of hearts, she wants that too. I was going over these with Griffin and he's like, why is Clementine in here? I was like, because Alex wants her here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I was like, was she a real person? We definitely, and then what I watched, we never saw her go on any kind of journey. And then she becomes like the literal horseman of death in season two, which is a great shot. But I was like, okay. Yeah, um, that might have been just my projection of love for Clementine. I wanted her to be seen, but that's really fair. Um, maybe she didn't belong here. That's all right. I do love Clementine. She will not be kicked out. She will be in Hufflepuff. <laughs> there she is, in Hufflepuff, where she belongs. Um, Bernard, I said a Ravenclaw. Oh, I said a Ravenclaw, too. Just a sweet claw. I love him. Me too. Or Bernarnold, as he was known on the webs at the time, while people were theorizing that he was also Arnold. Well, isn't that true, though? Yeah. A little bit, yeah. yeah. Because, well, it wasn't really true as much as a lot of the scenes that we were like, Dolores goes it back into the little questioning room with Bernard. We're not. She was in the questioning room with Arnold. Right, yeah. And he's, like, based off of Arnold. Right. Yes. Because it's supernatural and normal when your um, friend and coworker commits suicide to create an entire robot version of them. Um, but Teddy, it's good for us to know. Teddy, I put Puff. She's like okay. the loyal dog. Yeah. Yes. He's so pretty. Why does James Marsden never win? I just want to know. <laughs> Maybe it's Corny Collins. <laughs> Corny Collin, um, Charlotte, Slytherin, Slytherin. Yes, I also am so mad about season three, Charlotte, because that's what was spoiled for me. So, if you want to go ahead and say it, if Jessa doesn't care, then I don't care. She, it's they like put Dolores's brain inside a an android of of uh, Charlotte. So, like the real Charlotte Hale died. Yeah, and they made a mock of her, and it's really just like another version of Dolores. Like, oh yeah, that happened at the end of season two. Yeah, it yeah, but it just sucks because like, um, what's also I had a logical issue with that because then in like the epilogue of season two, like Dolores in Dolores's body came out, and I was like, where did they get a spare Dolores body? Where was that hanging around to like re-upload her into that body? Right. And um, I just love Tessa Thompson so much. And I just feel like it, like, I loved her Charlotte Hale, even though she sucked. It was like, interesting. And now it's just a second Dolores. Right. And 
it's and they like did some really personal stuff with charlotte hale's character in season three like she has like a whole family and like a child oh no and it's really messed up like it's just really it's very weird and like this version of dolores is like weaker than like regular dolores or like the real Charlotte Hale's like kind of coming out. Like, it's sorry, am I crazy weird. or are there like low key racist undertones there? I was like, I don't know how I feel about that in general. This is a fully a get out situation now, guys. What are we doing? Yeah, I don't like it. A white woman's brain into this black body, and I have questions. I don't know what we're doing, folks. And it's like not Love even. It. That it's like they're also making her weak. Like she needs like regular Dolores to help her all the time. And it's like, what is happening? I all feel like question marks, guys. Always happens to Tessa Thompson. Uh-huh. Why is no one using her for what like for all that she is worth? Like she is an incredible actress with right. like such potential. And I feel like everyone is like sleeping on her. Let's and- have the highest of hopes for the next Thor movie because technically yeah. she's the king of Asgard now. So fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. And I, I, would love I mean, to I'll say this for season thing. three: like Tessa Thompson's still doing like an amazing job, but like the character of Charlotte Hale has been fucked over. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I think that happens to Tessa Thompson as an actress often, which is yeah. yeah. My... I just don't mean to discount Tessa Thompson. Is all yeah. I mean. right. Um, Logan. I said foils. Oh, sorry. I my my note here is that foils don't have houses. And then, I have daddy issues. Hot. <laughs> That's all I have for him. I have yeah, I tried to house him, and I was like, he's literally like all of his major decisions are based on him being a foil to William. So I just don't know. I think he starts out as a Slytherin, and then yeah, I put I ultimately put Slytherin, but I don't think he has a lot of ambition. <laughs> no, but I also really, I mean, I really need to rewatch season one, and I'd like to reassess his character because everything we experience of him is through the lens of William is a good guy. So yeah. now I'm gonna like look right over and like maybe he's just a dude having fun on vacation and not taking it too seriously, and William is legit weird and off the whole time you know yes, although he logan does enjoy the rapey murder parts of vacation i think um that's his whole thing is that he wants i don't actually remember him raping i remember he him having like a fun orgy he doesn't rape anyone i just mean in terms if you're looking at it from the from the the robots are there for you just to have sex with yeah that's what I meant it's it's not really like rapey because he's I mean technically that's what they're there for he just like is always leaning into that too much like if you're looking at the whole Westworld idea as like a corrupt system that we should make as far as like the way they treat the hosts it is questionable how much in the beginning we can call someone a villain for like shooting yeah. a host because for for what most of them know they're three-dimensional video game characters you That's know true. Um, I guess I would actually say he's a Gryffindor in the beginning not he's like happy-go-lucky like trying things out like he's excited about everything um 
in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. And then again, I remember from season two, we get into like his weird daddy issues because his dad, of course, is like the, the big investor of the park. Mm-hmm. And there's like a lot of stuff going on there. Um, but he's literally broken. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. He gets weirdly the umbrage treatment in the like, we're making a joke of this, but this is really fucked up, guys. I don't love it. Um. And isn't it funny how this person is traumatized now by their sexual assault? I don't, what are we doing? Um, yeah. yeah, it's a little weird. Yeah. Um, I think he's, I think he, I've talked myself into, he's like originally a Gryffindor. I buy it. Yeah, I don't have any specific feelings about him. Um, but I do think it's fair that we can't judge the characters for like, going to Westworld and experiencing Westworld. I mean, that might be a little bit of my, like, like you were saying, viewing William, viewing him through the lens of William that has more of a, like, I had to build a connection with Dolores. Right. I'm only gonna be with Dolores, but. Like, I think our meta viewership, obviously we're supposed to dislike the park and everything, but like, yeah, we're supposed to be buying it as like, yeah, it's just an in-person video game. And that the hosts really don't have these, like, transcendent personalities and stuff. Like, I don't know. I It's complicated because, like, clearly I don't like it. But, like, I think it's yeah. supposed to be, yeah. Yeah. I mean, personally, when I play video games, I'm not a, like, go around and murder randoms. And if I have, like, sneak abilities, I'm like, listen, dude, I'm just trying to get into this camp. I'm going to sneak by you. We don't need to fight. So I do, I am a little like weirded out by like the slash hackiness, but I do think it's probably wrong to think it's like morally wrong to kill a digital character, which is as far as the visitors to Westworld know what everyone they meet is, you know? Yes, it just freaks me out how like, because they are so much like humans, it's like, why would you want to, I mean, that's the whole point of the show. We don't need to talk about. Yeah, like Dolores, that's not a video game character like in Call of Duty. That's like a sweet woman that you like are fucking and murdering and raping. Like every day, like there's something wrong with that. If you're like, I want to do that. that But if it is a video game, that's weird. Correct, that that's your choice. Right, I know. It's definitely complex and- (laughs) Weirdly, I feel like the show stopped interrogating that after season one, but to me, that was the definitely the most morally complex thing. I mean, of course, we all, I think we all think about the growth of AI and, like, how nice do I need to be to Siri or Alexa, you know? I Um, do think that they revisit that in season three, though. Oh, okay. Interesting. I use my manners with Alexa. I don't speak with Alexa because I think she's a spy but I am very polite to Siri. I mean, she's a spy also, but she spies a little less. So I'm not as freaked out by her. Um, well, Alexa, I have to speak to for work. Yeah. Um, but yes, she is spying on me, but I make sure I'm polite. <laughs> Another season three thing it, with the bringing back robots is like they go to this party and it's like for really rich people and like they have these like AI people like just like naked on display and you're like betting on it or like you're it's like an auction almost so it's not like being in the park but there are definitely AI in like the the regular world and like 
it's they they bring back that idea of like how do you treat these people and that's also like part of Dolores's like like she's trying to like change the world I Hmm. guess um I I actually think that season three has some merits and I really like Aaron Paul being in it um I to be fair I have no season three opinions because I haven't started it I definitely don't think it's the same show it's like a very different show yeah I have one episode left of season two because I had yeah, to- I was very angry at season two and I was like, you know what? I'm done. I don't. Like season one was a perfect season of television. For sure. People are so scared of a mini series. Like to return to Big Little Lies. We did not need a second season. Yeah. It was fine to watch it, but I don't think we needed it. No. It made me dislike everybody more. I mm. think. Yeah. Well, I also just think it was contrived because all of the characters, because it's based on a book that doesn't have a sequel, have a complete arc. So yeah. unless we're going to do a whole second season of falling action, right? Then and and, and not a step was the last moves away, which obviously is a wise choice, like to take her children, get out of the toxic environment, start a new life. You know, I mean, that's I think the really the only and the fact that Bonnie confesses, and of course, like a lot of critics of the second season were saying, it's very clearly a case of self-defense. And so she right. gets like community service, you know. Um, so yeah, there's not a lot, there's there are a few things left over in the book that didn't get filmed, but nothing with any kind of forward narrative push whatsoever, you know. I like the Renata stuff in this. Of course, the I mean, Laura Dern of it all. Renata was great. I think if you were gonna add in drama, I think the adding adding of Meryl Streep's character was good. Like, I think she was a good way to make a plot with Celeste other than her being absolutely destroyed by where she landed herself. But I did think that the Meryl Streep thing stagnated, though, midway through. Because they were just kicking their heels until they got to where they wanted to conclude the season. So I'm like, well, then too long. bring her in halfway through the season, maybe. Yeah, you're right. Maybe they had four episodes in them. Or just do like a little movie, even. Like a TV movie. That could have yeah. worked, I guess. But I mean, really, it, it was it a perfect It hurts season. that Madeline didn't have a real plot in season two, and she's supposed to be like the center of the show in a lot of ways. Mm. So yeah. It Even just, though she's not people's favorite character, she is, like, she centers it and she didn't have anything. Right. Who's Madeline's, who's not having Madeline as their favorite character? Also I, the question that I had, but that's fine. Not my favorite character. Oh, I love Madeline. She's I love glorious. I like Madeline. She's just not my favorite character. I think from right. the show, Renata is the most fun to watch, certainly in season two. But Renata's a meme a minute, for sure. Yeah, but book and I think season one, Madeline, is my favorite. I think Reese Witherspoon graded on me. Okay, Uh, that's fair. And I like Reese, but I think she just graded on me. Well, she's very, very, very Reese-y in this show. And then, of course, like, she takes it to, like, the sourest possible ending with little fires everywhere i I don't watch that one that was a what would you what would you would you recommend little fires everywhere alex because i've read the book so i'd be interested if a person who only watched the show would you recommend the show 
I think if you like that type of show, you should watch it. Like, I don't regret watching it. I just don't think it's as good as, like, Big Little Lies or Sharp Objects, which is what I think it was trying to be. The book is beautiful, and I cried when it was over, not because of the plot, but because I didn't want to leave the characters. I loved them so much. Especially yeah, I think the show does Lexi, have that of course. same effect. I mean, um, not Lexi, the little one. Yes. Oh, I love the kids. That's the, I love the kids of Little Fires Everywhere, but when I was leaving the show, mainly the main two characters, I wanted to leave them. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was yeah. done with them. I mean, well were... done, Carrie and Reese, for playing two completely unlikable characters. But, you know. Shall we move on to Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Let's yeah, this is it. all you guys. I'm tapping out. Never right. seen Buffy. These, I think, are pretty easy, too. They're very yeah. archetypal characters for some of them. Uh, Buffy, I Gryffindor, I yeah. play. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> She's our All of the flaws that that contains yes. as well, you know. Mm -hmm. Willow is, I think, interesting because mm -hmm. um, I think there are arguments for Ravenclaw, obviously, and there are arguments for Slytherin. Oh, that's fascinating. I went with uh, Ravenclaw um, specifically once she starts getting into magic. Well, no, even before, because she starts with being into computers. Yeah. And that's her thing where she's collecting information and she's really interested and she likes to be the researcher of the group. And then when she switches to witchcraft, she does the same. She wants to acquire more and she's very interested. I definitely think by the time we get to Dark Willow, that's we've definitely had a Slytherin heel turn for sure. Right. I mean, I ultimately put her in Ravenclaw. I think the reason she goes on that heel turn is because she's trying to learn everything she can. And yeah, she, it's too far. She gets in too deep. But Dark Willow is certainly Slytherin. It's yes. rough, especially since okay. the only re way to get her out of it is her chosen people, yeah. which I think is a very Slytherin edge. But that's really just like one season. Yeah, so. which is good. She she's a great villain. Yes, Ultimate Ravenclaw, Xander. I I put Puff for Xander. I put I hate him. I. <laughs> uh, just to be clear, Molly, Xander is a very similar character to Ron, so it's it's funny that you're having this visceral reaction. I don't think Ron is nearly as toxic as Xander is, though. Like, Ron lightly bullied Hermione, but he never fully straight-up slut-shamed her because he was into her. He never continued to do that while they were dating and as a way to break up with her and then did it to the next girl that he dated. I think Xander is despicable. Oh, this oh, is coming out of your love for Cordy? But also just, like, general decency. And yes. he does the same with Buffy because he's obsessed with her, so he slut-shames her every time, yes. every time he gets a chance to be like, Oh, I can't believe you're making out with other guys. Oh, oh, so you can kiss that guy, but not me. Uh, uh. And then he is like truly nasty to Cordelia. Like he literally called her the town bicycle at one point. Yeah, um, it's bad to very Cordelia. toxic. Um, I don't mind Xander, but I also will. I have to admit, I haven't watched Buffy with a critical eye on Xander. Like okay. I haven't watched it really since college. 
I was about to say I haven't watched like I was introduced to it in high school and then I re-watched it all in college in a uh in a desperate attempt not to write final essays one huh. final season it was really a choice I made um but yes I think he has to be a, I think he has to be a Hufflepuff though because he's not brave at all He's not a Gryffindor, I don't think. I think narratively, he fills a Hufflepuff spot. And yeah, and um, he's not a Ravenclaw. Yeah. And he's not a Slytherin. So. Yeah. I just want to say, like, there are people who would argue that, well, he's a teenage boy. He messes up. And I would say, I don't think all teenage boys are like that. And I think that's a nasty and unfair statement to make. And if you were a teenage boy who was like that, maybe do some self-reflection and figure out why that is. Cause that's unacceptable behavior. <laughs> I just, I love this hatred. <laughs> because we talk about Buffy a lot and you've never like spoken I, about ignore his existence as much as I can I think that actually must be it because I feel like I actually don't have very strong feelings on Xander one way or the other so I would never talk about Xander and then you hate him so you just wouldn't bring a moment where I do like Xander and I do think they start to make him better in the final seasons excluding his whole Anya thing um yellow crayon I think is an excellent Xander moment yes um, I think Xander is very funny in the Zeppo. That's a great episode. Uh, and I get the place he's supposed to take, but I think he is, number one, very much a product of his time. Um, and number two, I think he's a stand-in for Joss Whedon, who similarly was horrific to the young, vulnerable women on his set and to Cordelia Carpenter in particular, to where he fired her for getting pregnant, which is not cool. So I just have like deep rooted issues with Xander. No, that is 100% fair. And I've been doing like a very slow, very light rewatch and I will keep an eye out for it. Right now he's just falling into the traps of um, insect teachers. Uh, As one does. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Giles, Giles. Giles, I think, is a Ravenclaw? Yeah, I think he's definitely traditionally a a Ravenclaw, but there is an element of his loyalty getting him into trouble. Mm -hmm, Or maybe his belief system, um, it does, like, throw him off track. It gets him into trouble with the Watcher's Council. He won't follow the rules. He might actually, like, lightly be a Gryffindor just with a really strong, like, Ravenclaw system because of his job and his position yeah. in society. I yeah, I was I had Gryffindor in the back of my head. He just reads so Ravenclaw. Yeah, I still would stick with Ravenclaw because even yeah. Ripper, that whole thing is his like lust for knowledge. Like it yeah. leads him to a dark place, but it's because he wants to know things. For sure. Um Faith. Gryffindor. My beloved Faith is such a burned Gryffindor. Yeah. She needs someone to love her. And why is that child in a tragic motel over Christmas? Why did no one invite her into their home? So sad. Um, Her religious stint is uh, a weird one for me. 
uh-huh. housewise when I was trying to sort her because that just seemed to go against what I believed Faith to be. Yeah. Her name was Faith. Um, huh. uh, but I ultimately landed on Gryffindor. Yeah. She's definitely got all that impulsive hero-ness. Mm-hmm. And she and Buffy are mirror images of each other. So they have to have the same house. Yes. Spike. Spike is so driven by love. I think he's a Slytherin. I think he's a Slytherin too. That's what I put. Um, I looked it up casually just to see. Uh, oh, because I was looking for Faith. Because I was trying to see what other people on the interwebs were thinking of her little religious stint. And mm. people were trying to sort him, Spike, into Gryffindor. And I said, no, thank you. No, I don't buy that. I don't think he's doing anything out of chivalry. I think he does things based on the person that he's with. Yeah. And the people that are his chosen people. Right. Which is the definition of a Slytherin. Drew makes him, so she's his person. Mm-hmm. And he spends a lot, his centuries, like following Drew, protecting Drew, becoming the person she wants. And then when she dumps him, he latches onto Buffy and then he remakes himself into like a Buffy person. Yeah. Like that's just who Spike is. And then we get the flashback to pre-vampire Spike and he's, quote, fool for love. And that's his whole thing. Oh, Slytherin. <laughs> yeah. Less. Spiky Slytherin. Um, Cordelia. I have to move the cat off of my notes. Hold on. Oh, I put her as Slytherin. So did I. Um, I haven't seen Angel where I know she gets um she gets a little bit of a a starring role for a yeah. lot of bits of it, but I um I think she's a Slytherin. I think she's very um interested in status and mm-hmm. uh, getting herself out of her town and being um, the best Cordelia she can be, which is the best Cordelia that she is because she's exactly. flawless. Exactly. Yeah, that was my, that's my read. She remains ambitious even through Angel. Um, it becomes part of like making Angel's detective agency the best it can be. And also she becomes like a seer. She gets visions. Um, and um and then she has her people like initially she's not super she's kind of like this is the courty only zone because she's been hurt but it expands it includes angel and the various like leads who are also part of the detective agency uh yeah i think she's like even when Xander fully cheats on her she chooses them yeah exactly because she's a queen and you're right Xander sucks i'm so thank you who cheats on cordelia only a garbage person um angel i said gryffindor okay i was uncertain um i will probably buy that i said he's kind of like a ravenclaw approach to like morality and redemption like he has a very mechanical like i did these bad things so now i must atone you know kind of like laying things out but i think uh oirish angel um and angelus are definitely like fully like heart characters so emotionally driven uh that i think is definitely a, a solid uh read 
mm-hmm. you know, that he's a Gryffindor. Yeah, um, I am bored by Angel as a character, but um, I, I do, I do think he's a Gryffindor and has his merits. Sometimes I will watch the show eventually because I love yeah. him so much. Maybe it'll make me like Angel too. He's know. definitely better in Angel if only because people make fun of him because there's no Buffy to be like dramatically in love with him. They do try a thing with a lady cop in the first season and then they realize like, eh, we don't really need that. Um, and because like Cordelia will fully make fun of his like stroppy moments, uh, it helps a lot. So we're like, okay, yeah. we, we're in agreement about his drama. I think if you teased him for the things that are boring about him, then I would feel much better about the situation. Yeah. But since... Buffy is just like falling for it, not falling yeah, for it. I it's too much. It. Yeah, I'm like, uh, Buffy, yeah. why? Also, Cordelia gets a poltergeist roommate in Angel, which alone is worth the watch for sure. <laughs> for sure. Um, Anyanka. <laughs> um, I don't have one. My only note was about how utterly heartbreaking her monologue in the body is, and the moment when I just fully break. Um, um, yes. Um, what did you have for her? I had Slytherin because I think, one, she's, uh, she's actually a heart-focused character, despite the fact that she tries not to be. Mm. Um, and I think that her whole vengeance demon, uh, situation felt very, like, I want to be the most powerful, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe she's actually a Gryffindor. Yeah. Cause her vengeance demon thing is like, I'm going to kill men. Right. <laughs> like she's kill gonna, torture. <laughs> she has a cause. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. She's a hard one to do. She's kind of robot-y cause she's a demon. Exactly. Um, and there are some very cold things like her literalness and her, uh, obsession with money and all. Um... Yes. I guess yeah. what I mean by she's accidentally a heart character is I think her arc is uh, finding a circle, but I don't know if that's because she was looking for one, though. So I think by the end, by the time she sacrifices herself, it's for a cause. Yeah. So I think I feel okay with making her a Gryffindor. I feel that for Anyanka. I just, I really enjoy Anya and am, again, betrayed by the way Xander treats her. Maybe I have some shoes with Xander, too. (laughs) (sighs) Maybe I only liked Xander because my favorite female characters fall for Xander. That makes sense. I get that. Um, Drusilla, I said Slytherin. I have real difficulty getting a read on Drew because she's so damaged. What yeah. is, um, what's her name? The divination professor. What's her house? Trelawney is a Ravenclaw. Is she? Isn't she? I think you're right. That sounds yeah. right. Trelawney's a Ravenclaw, I'm pretty sure. I can look it up really quick right here. So they're kind of similar, right? Drew is like look it up. evil torture vampire Trelawney. Yes, I think the reason I uh, 
uh, I initially did Slytherin is the way that she has Spike under her spell, but that might be really a more Spike thing than a Drew thing. It is because she leaves him for a slime demon. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Button, button. She's um, divorced. <laughs> oh, yeah, she's Ravenclaw. She's Ravenclaw, I thought so. Um, Maybe. I mean, literally, Drusilla had her mind broken by Angel, so it's hard to get a read on who Drusilla, the, like, traveler girl was, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna, maybe I, maybe I made a hasty Slytherin decision. Don't be hasty. (laughs) I can go Ravenclaw for her. She's got sort of a baddie. (laughs) Yeah, right. I don't know. She's a little bit like Clementine, where I feel like I only included her because I love her. But right. I also think she's interesting to talk about because she's... Yeah, she's a fabulous character. But I feel like um, she's very childlike. So she has very like gut level wants, you know? Mm-hmm. She wants toys. She wants a little violence. She wants, you know, uh, so probably Ravenclaw isn't right because, I mean, other... Th- despite the fact that she has like visions or premonitions or whatever, she doesn't necessarily think. I think she's a, I wanna say id, but I really don't know enough about id, ego and super ego to know that I'm right about that. Yes, but I do think here, shall we consult the internet? See what they say? Let's see. This, I don't think we should trust this sorting place because this has sorted Willow into Gryffindor. No. <laughs> Incorrect. Incorrect. Did Sorting Hat chat sorter? Um, let's see. Do they have it? Not, I think I have looked at their Sorting Hat chats. I don't remember Drusilla appearing on theirs, but maybe. It might, she might not, because she's a hard one. I didn't know they did, like, characters from other stuff. Yeah, Yeah. it's really fun. I love reading those books. I think they probably... Oh, they do have Drusilla. What did they, what did it say? Okay, it says, Drusilla interacts with the world in an intuitive, emotional way. Only she's bonkers. So her morality is less black and white and more green and purple. This is a Gryffindor primary, living in a world where a flower arrangement can be spectacularly morally wrong. Still, there seems to be bits of a more traditional moral system under there somewhere. Drew is interested in punishment. He plays with her dolls by blindfolding them and denying them cake, tortures, da-da-da-da-da. She seems to be drive, a drive, the driving force behind both the judge and um, Akafala. Akafala, I don't know how to. Um, demons out to punish the world. As a human, she is religious, virtuous. First meets da, 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 angel. Blah blah blah. This is just her backstory. So um, it's possible she's a twisted Hufflepuff. Or an abstracted Ravenclaw, which is what we were saying. Yeah. But considering Spike loves her for her inability to be anything other than herself, um, they think she is a Gryffindor primary. Awesome. Secondary-wise, they think she's a Ravenclaw. Hmm. Plans are long-term and ha- have steps. They don't make a lot of sense, but they exist. 
She's also surprisingly good at interrogating. Drusilla manages to crack Giles, open up Angelus, and open when Angelus, she managed to crack Giles when Angelus can't, and does the same thing later with Spike. And matching secondaries could help explain why those two have such a strangely functional couple, are such a strangely functional couple. So this also thinks that Spike, they also apparently think Spike is a secondary Ravenclaw. Huh, interesting. I can see the justification for the Ravenclaw in the, like, instinctual side of her. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll buy it. I'll buy. I don't know if I buy a Gryffindor primary. I I have trouble with it. I because I don't think she has a cause. Me and either. I, and I don't think that's her driving force at all. Yeah. So I'm willing to put her in Ravenclaw because I think we can say she's secondarily Ravenclaw and that's just governing her. I'll buy it. Make um, it so. And then Dawn, I said, it's a pretty little puff, that one. Same. Dawn, that little puffy Dawn, who tries, like, a Gryffindor performance on. She, like, wants to be, like, Buffy. I'm like, no, babe, that's not who you are, and it's fine. Doesn't work, hun, but thanks. Um, alrighty. Shall we jump in? Kimmy Schmidt? Yeah, Kimmy Schmidt. This should be easy. I said it was a huffle pace. Huffle but puff pace. <laughs> I also want to take that again. Sleepy. <laughs> I do think it's a huffle puff based universe. Me Thank too. You. I said button up. It's a crazy cartoon huffle puff universe. But I also like didn't sort anyone into huffle. Oh, I sorted two people into Hufflepuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I, for instance, I sorted Kimmy as a Gryffindor. I sorted her as a Hufflepuff. Same. But I get the Gryffindor because there's a lot of, like, courage. Um, but I think generally her, like, sunny outlook, her, like, broadly sunny outlook, you know, and the way that she, I mean... She's a hard worker. Yeah. And I mean, it's arguably pathological, the level to which, with which she like looks, I mean, it is pathological. They, they fully um, explore that when they're like, why are you seeing literal cartoon characters right now? Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I see her as Apple. I do think though, she, she like is out to like make every, she wants everybody in the room to be happy and to get along and um aside aside from her literal abuser i think she tries to find good in everyone yeah i think if because i was thinking like if her base level is hufflepuff i think on top of that she's a gryffindor yes i I do think she has gryffindor in her she's definitely got spunk and she's definitely got fight um titus i said was a slytherin so same (laughs) Great. Zan- How do you say her name? Zanthippy. Her. Zanthippy Voorhees. Yes. I said a Ravenclaw. Hmm. I said Hufflepuff, but I oh, don't. We are so split. I have her as a Gryffindor. <laughs> I, 
I'm, I'm not, I do not feel passionately about Hufflepuff. So please talk me into either Ravenclaw or Gryffindor. I just, uh, I see her as like really like looking for a cause. I mean, obviously she's a teen. Um, and I think like her, part of her journey with knowing Kimmy is like finding a, an appropriate outlet for her deep feelings and emotions, you know, like looking for something. Look, what is that? It's a song and I'm not gonna sing cause I can't remember it and I'm tired. Anyway, <laughs> it's from Newsy, Newsies. Okay. Oh yes, I know which song you're talking about. Yeah. Anyway, I that's how I see Dan. Ravenclaw, because at some point she like gets really into her like education and her school and like kind of goes down that path. She's also like from meeting Kemi, she's like trying to figure that out, like what's happening. And like I think that she's in a very illogical illogical world and trying to like find a through line <laughs> that's true she is very frustrated she's like about Kimmy she's about how everything she says is insane yeah she's like what that doesn't make any sense um, yeah I, I love Xanthippi I spent the whole first season trying to figure out if she's the most brilliant actor I've ever seen on screen or if she was just making wildly wrong choices and yeah. I ended up thinking that she is making the best choices and she's so funny oh crazy um I'm willing to split it I don't know if she we know enough about her to <laughs> sort her um, I think it's a really good read to catch on to the fact that she wants the world this weird insane world she's in to make sense yeah I think she's like definitely figure trying to logic her way out of Kimmy she's like who are you yeah and she like doesn't she like get really into like art school or like film school or something yeah I think she gets into film school or something um, um Jacqueline Voorhees wait we skipped Lillian oh we skipped Lillian my bad um Lillian <laughs> I have Ravenclaw but <laughs> I just had a Gryffindor. Run, Lillian. Yeah, she's a bulldozer. Yeah, she's definitely a Gryffindor. I don't know what I was thinking. I think yes, apartment building, not a tugboat that ran aground. (laughs) I just think she has such a like interesting way at looking at the world. Yes, Mm -hmm. I was like. That creativity belongs in. I actually think originally I almost put Ravenclaw too, and then I was like, no, wait, I need to back up a second. <laughs> yes. Um, Jacqueline I had as a Slytherin. Me too. Okay, so I put down Hufflepuff, and I would like to someone to tell me what my justification was. For Jacqueline? Because yeah. she's trying to become a Hufflepuff, maybe. Maybe. Um, I mean, I don't I do- know. She accidentally ends up caring a lot about people in general. I don't know why I did that. I think it's that like was- she has that whole Native American plot line. Right. I think <laughs> maybe I was tra- overreaching. Slytherin. I think she's a Slytherin. I think you're right. Well, she ends up loving that guy despite him being ugly. And then he's like, no, I'm hot now. So I don't love you. Right. 
Which that that one moment was like she was trying to become a Hufflepuff by like loving him. Also, she Which makes Hot Will from the Good Wife change his football team's name. Yes, I ultimately think she's a Slytherin though because she's yeah. operating using Slytherin means, and she loves this man despite him being ugly. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like she's really trying to. I mean, she also started out as like someone who you know, married a rich man and was got pregnant in order to marry a rich right, man. Right. Um, I was just trying to help Jessa out on why she baby put it. Uh, I don't know, guys. I should have written myself better notes. Story of my life. I I did have a Hufflepuff. Did you start the Reverend as a Hufflepuff, Molly? What? But, okay. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> The power of puffs compels you to explain what I put him in Hufflepuff because I didn't think he fit in any other category, but I think he thinks he's a Ravenclaw. I think he's a Gryffindor is what I had. I don't don't think he he believes in anything. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's, I thought, I think his personality is very Gryffindor. Okay, I see that. That's, That's where I'm at, is that I didn't know where to sort um, a sociopathic man who steals women. Yeah, and he's very ordered. Yeah. You know, like, I don't, have you guys watched, have you played the interactive special? Yeah. yeah. I mean, and the way that we know that he, he has a secondary bunker, like, this is a person who plans who, like, has escaped, you know, he's got a whole, he's not, I mean, he's, he's, he's not really impulsive. Um, That's true. He's a Lockhart. Mm. And Lockhart is ultimately a Ravenclaw. Lockhart was sorted into Ravenclaw by she who must not be named, and And I, Molly Wilson. I disagree with the Lockhart sorting. I think Lockhart is clearly a Slytherin. Have I convinced you? I saw your argument by the end of it, but I do still think... Don't we think that he conned his way into Ravenclaw the way that he conned his way into everything else? Because if he's outed as a Slytherin, everybody is on their guard that he is gonna be like lie, cheat, steal to get to the top. Right. So Ravenclaw is a lot more of a neutral house, so he can operate his normal style without like flagging anything. I mean, I definitely think he chose to be in Ravenclaw, but I think that he is smarter than like most people think he is. Right. I don't think For he's sure. stupid, but I think Slytherins are smart, and I think he's smart in a Slytherin way. Like mm-hmm. I think he knows how to work the system. I think he knows how to work people clearly. He's cunning, he's charismatic, he cares about himself <laughs> as a circle of one. Well, I guess um, the Reverend can be charismatic. Yeah, because yeah. he did convince, which which one of the girls was it? The one who's in a new cult, when we check back in with her in the interactive, or she's leading her own cult now. Yeah. Uh, oh, she's, uh, she's rough. Uh, I can't remember her name. The only one I can remember is Cindy and Doña Maria. I can't remember her name. Yeah. Um, 
it's like a simple name like yeah it's another name like cindy because i always get them confused like sarah or i think it's also like a two-part name like a i don't know i'm looking it up like jerry ann oh you're right i think molly that um Luann or something. Huh? Gretchen. Gretchen. (laughs) Very far off. Gretchen. (laughs) She looks like a Luann. Yeah. I think you're vibing off of like the sister wife thing, you know? (laughs) Okay, but Gretchen, yes. And I mean, he doesn't really charm Kimmy, but when he initially steals her, kidnaps her, he's like, oh, I have a puppy or something like that. I don't know. And he almost makes it, like, he almost doesn't go to prison because he's charming everyone. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't help that John Hamm is playing him. Right. He's a, a very, very handsome person. A very but handsome person. That's the only Slytherin part, though, because he's not, like, amb- like he's not ambitious. Um, no, I mean, in his own weird way, right? Because we have those um, real-world ambi- um, audition tapes. Yeah. But so like maybe, a really small beans tacky way, he's ambitious. I'm willing to sort him in uh, Ravenclaw or Slytherin, but I think we're leaning towards Slytherin at the moment. I just think he he thinks he's smarter than he is, for sure. And I think he would sort himself into Ravenclaw, but I don't think he's actually a Ravenclaw. He could yeah. just be like a dumb Ravenclaw. Exactly. That's why I said he's like a Lockhart. Yeah, yeah I buy that. Yeah. Um, okay, One Tree Hill. Yeah. Um, Lucas. I said Slither. <laughs> really? I did. I think he's really ambitious, but I can easily be talked out of it. I haven't watched One Tree Hill in a minute. Me neither. Um, I said a Gryffindor. Yeah. He's always standing up to, like, the man. That's true. I think there are a lot of arguments to be made for Gryffindor, too. I just... No, I think you're right. I think he's a Gryffindor. I don't need to argue Slytherin. I just think more, like, he's just a, like, ambitious person. He does his little, like, movie maker thing later. But I feel like he's not ambitious. Like, he doesn't pursue professional basketball. He, like, does this writing thing, but he's not even trying to, like, he just, like, wants to be a writer. Yeah, I see. But, or whatever, yeah. Yeah, I'm easy to go with Gryffindor. I... Uh, he's probably my least favorite character in the series. So I don't think I analyzed him very well. I feel like he's like bland. So yeah. Brooke, I said is a Slytherin. I said Gryffindor for Brooke. See, I think she is incredibly ambitious. Um, she, she is. I think, yeah, I don't know. I I don't know. I wanted to kind of go against the gray, and I think she definitely has the, like, Slytherin archetype, but I think she grows from that, and I think she's, like, but I guess Slytherin is also a really big heart character, but I think she's really governed by, 
she ultimately chooses to do the right thing. Like she's not the catty mean girl, I think, a lot of the series. I think she has the best arc of any character. Right. And then she just she she I think she's still a Slytherin. Yeah, you're right. I can see it. She makes her own like fashion empire, which is very like she achieves her goals. But I think she does keep a small circle, especially after she's like, I'm not being that girl anymore. Mm-hmm. I think she makes her circle really small um, and like only trusts so many people. Yeah. Um, Nathan, I mean, I also was like, I mean, I love Nathan, but like he doesn't have much personality. I put him in Gryffindor. But I think he's a coward. Yeah. That's I he makes sense for Gryffindor, except for that he's not. Like he's such a coward. He never stands up to his dad. When he gets injured, he's like, fuck this. I'm gonna be an asshole to my wife. Oh, he is an asshole. I forgot his injury section. Cause I was like, his whole little I'm gonna watch my psycho nanny take a naked lap in the pool. He's such a like James Gryffindor though. Like, he's a cocky sports boy. Like, when push comes to shove, he does not stand up to Dan. I mean, eventually he does, but it takes I mean, so long. Yeah. Um, you think, what do you think he is? I had a really hard time. I said maybe a Hufflepuff. <laughs> Hufflepuff takes the rest. Yikes. He's not, he does not love everyone. I know he's in Durmstrang with Victor Crumb. He's he's like Muggle status. <laughs> like if I analyze Nathan, I'm he, but I feel like he maybe falls into like the love category a little bit. Like everything he does is because he loves Haley. Haley, yeah, he does. He his whole life becomes Haley, but not in a Slytherin. She's his main circle way, but in a like he just wants to be loved. He does want to be loved by his dad. Daddy issues. And some mommy issues. For sure. He's got oh, issues. He's yeah. got issues. Um, Peyton. <laughs> I said she's a Gryffindor. Okay, see, I, I have bad sorting for One Tree Hill. I do think I haven't watched in a while, and I also think it was hard for me to analyze athletic people. I didn't know where else to put I didn't know where it's not to put athletic. No, but I think the show is an athletic-based universe. You, you don't like Peyton, right? Um, I think she is annoying. I, put I can her- also see her being Ravenclaw, but... I put her in Ravenclaw because I don't think she's really fighting for a cause. I think on accident, she's also fighting to be loved, but she's also really artistic. And, um, but I can see she has a strong moral compass. The only real reason things I can remember about Peyton is that she and she's really upset when Lucas moves on to Brooke really quickly and she has that thing about everybody leaves so she's yeah, got think, abandonment trauma yeah but I think that almost makes her a little bit more Gryffindor I think she's also like hella resilient um like she survives a stalker thing um mm-hmm. she's like 
deals like when she becomes an adult she like goes into that music industry and like is kind of like being shat on a lot and is like not like she like takes it but like takes it and I think a like a strong way like I think she just like ends up being like a really strong person and so I put her a little bit Gryffindor because of that full disclosure I don't think I've seen the last two seasons of One Tree Hill she's not in the last like two seasons okay well then I think I've seen her arc um Um, but um and then Haley I put Ravenclaw but did you put Gryffindor I put Hufflepuff (laughs) But I almost put Ravenclaw. I think she is a Ravenclaw. I think she has a system that works for her. And then, if anything, when she goes against that system, it's, like, in a Gryffindor way. Like, I think it really shocks her when she does something that is... When she goes after her music career. goes after her music career when she gets the Nathan tattoo. Those are, like, very much, like, outside of her. Married. Yeah, like, I just think she, I mean, if anything, I could say uh, Ravenclaw Gryffindor. I actually think she's always shocking herself by, you said. Or her bra- by her bravery. Um, I, I saw the Ravenclaw in that she's, like, valedictorian, and she's, like, the teacher, and, like, those kinds of, like, stereotypes for Ravenclaw. But I think I said Hufflepuff because, like, she serves in like their whole community and their whole friend group as like almost like the mediator. She's like always like keeping everyone together. She like cares about her students and she's like the, you know, I want to, I want to help the the world kind of attitude. Um, yeah. She's like holding it all together. Um, but I see that also as, like, a Gryffindor thing. And yeah, like I think- I'm, actually, I'm kind of thinking she might be a Hermione Gryffindor. Yeah, and I think she makes some bold moves. Like, yeah, she, like, gets married in high school. Gets married in high school. She, yeah, I actually think she's a Gryffindor, like, on the low. <laughs> yeah, but she's also, like, love is, like, a strong thing for her. Oh, definitely. I mean, like, Naley is the best part of One Tree Hill. You watch for Nathan and Haley. Yeah, but yeah, I think she is kind of like a Hermione. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I guess, like, if we wanted to do math, I was like, I guess a Ravenclaw. He's, like, kind of insignificant in my brain. For sure. I put a question mark after Mouth because I didn't care to sort him, but he is, like, a main character that's in the whole series, so I felt weird leaving him out. Um, yeah, I put Ravenclaw, but also, like, he has that nice guy thing, so I didn't know where to put that. Yeah. I, like, don't even remember what happens to Mouth. I remember he just manipulates that Callie girl, that Kelly girl into, like, dating him, and he, like, does that with multiple women in the show, like, where he's, like, trying. I remember that. Yeah. And, like, remember, because when he loses his virginity, he, like, is, like, weirdly sneaky about it and makes her feel really bad for him. And then, like, later she immediately is, like, I didn't want to do that and I'm breaking up with you. It's kind of. It's very weird. Like, I don't love math, but I don't, I couldn't tell you why. (laughs) 
seems yeah he does like the nice guy or whatever yeah he's a very he has a very intense nice guy syndrome um all right and we'll end with insecure which i've only seen a little bit of insecure so are we ready ladies let's close out the house i know it's been a crazy long night um, just for the listeners, it is 1040. We were meant to be ending this at 8 p.m. So as always, our timing is impeccable. Very um, opinionated. For sure. If we were just going to list off the houses, then you wouldn't want to listen to it on a podcast. Exactly. All right, Isa. I think Issa's a Gryffindor, but she is super messy and she is like on a journey to find her cause. Not sure what it is yet. Sort of stumbling around. I feel good about her in the last season. I think we're really getting there. Yes. We've got something we're working toward. I also that's think she's a Gryffindor. That's what I was going to say. I think she's a Gryffindor and she's certainly searching for her cause. She keeps flip-flopping on what she wants it to be, but she knows she wants to fight for something. Yeah. Very passionate. Yeah. Molly. Molly's a Slytherin. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I have her as a Ravenclaw. Oh. I have her Slytherin straight up. I'm like, you're a Ravenclaw who needs to reorganize your life. Like, your priorities are messed up. Please fix this. Her, the way she approaches work, and at least, like, again, I'm, like, really basing this off the first season. Like, she's so fucking ambitious and, like, is, like, code switching out the wazoo. Like, she's doing anything she can to make sure she stays on top. And, like, obviously she's, like, in a very white world, like, trying to do that. But I think that she, like, is further in. I did put Slytherin for that exact reason, Molly. I put it because she is extremely ambitious and also because one, she's attracted by luxury and the way her life looks and she has an idea about how she wants that and she goes, and that's always what she's aiming for and that is in ultimately her drawback. Um, I also do think she's incredible at code switching and that's like that's how she makes it in her world although she's very bad at it in this last season so maybe that she's not at great that great at code switching I think she's tired of it well this last season she goes on a different kind of journey she ends up working at like an all-black law firm and she she, like is having a hard time like code switching like Molly has a view of herself which is specifically that she's the smartest person in the room mm-hmm. and that she's the most together of her friends. Sure. And that is her view and anything that challenges that. If a friend, for example, is getting their life together and really going places, that throws her for a loop because that does not fit with Molly's image of Molly. And if like, there's nobody to fight against at her law office and if everybody's like working together, who is Molly if she's not the one struggling, you know, she doesn't have any concept. And I go back to that therapy lesson, um, therapy session with the therapist, I think was this season, it might have been last season, where the therapist calls her out. She's like, you use the word should a lot. Like you, you keep saying things should be like this. And Molly's like, yeah, well, I just think if you do certain things, you should. And she like tries to go, she's like, I think there are results that should happen. 
Um, so that's where I really get Ravenclaw. Like, this is her system. Yeah, she that's is. The way it is. And, but, but one of those, like, I think we were talking super early on that you were pointing out, um, like, a really inflexible um, Ravenclaw. I think this was back in the last episode. We were speaking about Edward in Twilight. <laughs> and you pointed out that he is a particularly, like, inflexible Ravenclaw. And I see a similar thing with Molly. No, I definitely see that. And I definitely see her ambition faltering when she doesn't have anyone to compete against. Um, but I think that's almost like in a Draco way. Like, yeah. I'm the best, and I believe that I'm the best, and, like, I'm going to continue that, pa- like, I believe that through and through feels Slytherin in that way, like, the ego of it all. Yes. You're talking I about think- ego, too. I think she's got both in there. I do think what falters me on Slytherin is that I don't think she has a circle. And I don't think she cares to have a circle. Like, it's not even herself. Like, it's not even a circle of one. Because she has a group of people that could easily be her circle, but she doesn't care about them. Right. Which is... But I think her ambition ultimately drives her. Yeah. I... Don't think so. I mean, this last season is very much about her trying to have a functional romantic relationship. Um, yeah, and I, I can't obviously speak to Lee. Yeah, I do. I, I, have a fuller I picture. say that I think in season one, her ambition, it, I do think season one, Molly is a very Slytherin Molly, but mm-hmm. I think her journey over the past three seasons has really been about reshaping her system. Like, that's the work oh, okay. she's trying to do. So... In in that way, I think she is ultimately a Ravenclaw because she decided that she was a Slytherin and mm. that she wanted all of that and that's what she needed, but she can't, she actually is not adaptable in that way, it turns not out. at all. So, oof. Yeah. I, yeah, I also think she is, yeah, I think I, I, I'm going back to the fact that she doesn't have a person. She doesn't have people and she doesn't have a person because she has time and time again been given opportunities to develop these great relationships that I think a Slytherin could have uh, really taken advantage of. And she falters every time. And she's so willing to cut out like really important people in her life when they fail to match up to her standards she finds out that her dad like decades ago cheated on her mom they have worked through it they have been like we're strong we're fine but she's like nope that's it I'm done with you forever cuts him out of her life and then this last season which is all about her relationship with Issa like there's a lot they both are very careless of their relationship but in the end she's like oh I'm done with Issa because Isa doesn't match her her standards when like Isa is like the most important person in her life and should be I just think a real Slytherin would I think somebody who's like Slytherin at their gut would be unhealthy and hold on to someone who hurts them and have to be told by an outside force you need to let this person go and with Molly it's like in her instinct is to be like nope I'm done with you Nope, you're bisexual. Nope, you're this. Nope, you're that. I hate that part of Molly. And then, and then uh, 
Do you remember that part, Molly? Real yeah. Molly? That was um, rough. They, they brought him back in an episode of this season just to fuel my hate fire. Like, it's like, I was already mad at Molly. And then they were like, let's bring back the thing that Alex hated about Molly the most, just so we can dig it in deep and turn the knife. Molly's hard to love. She is. I, not to go Tyra Banks, but I rooted for her. I really wanted her to get things together and like obviously I think her biggest struggle because she was successful at her job even though you know she's had some issues with crap people at her job but her biggest thing has been like she needs to learn how to have a relationship and I've fully been rooting for that and I like want her to not be her own worst enemy but this last season just really did me in I gotta say she you should you should uh, finish Insecure Molly. It's very good. Molly the nice Molly. Molly <laughs> the kind. Um, I know you told me that all the time. I need to. Which is kind of hypocritical because I just caught up. But I um, was really- But you were already ahead of me. Like yeah, I was only behind a season. Um, Kelly- I didn't have anything for Kelly or Angel. <laughs> Kelly, an angel that I put in like Gryffindor, but also I like can see Hufflepuff. She just wants everyone to be happy. Uh, she very much has her shit together. That's one of the main things. Like for all that, like she's really funny. She's also extremely successful. She's good at her job. She's not messy. Like she likes to have fun, but at the end of the day, she remains in control of her life. Yes. That seems Hufflepuff to you. That seems like get the work done, but she's not like virtuous. No. <laughs> and I don't think she loves people. Like, I. <laughs> no. Um, I could buy Gryffindor, like, definitely, as you've said, aesthetically, she's Gryffindor. Um, she might be like a fun Ravenclaw, you know? She is an accountant. Um, which to me is like a very Ravenclaw job, which you would never guess just from like who she is, but we always see her with her friends. Yeah, because doesn't she kind of like tell it like it is, like I'm not gonna candy coat it or am I getting this mixed up? No, that's the right person. She has the meme growth. (laughs) Yes. Um, Um, Which uh, was the best thing to come out of Insecure season one. I use it all the time um I kind of like a fun Ravenclaw it's only fair if we're giving them Molly (laughs) that's true we need we need to throw Kelly also have Kelly like like quick-witted yeah yeah she is witty she's coming up with those one-liners but I think that's a good point Jessa that she really has her life together because She's like, anytime Issa's making like a questionable decision and Issa's like, hey, Kelly, am I right? Kelly's like, uh-huh, uh, honey, I have a full like, job. No, I paid my taxes. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like she also doesn't make it about her life being together like Molly does. That's where I feel like, that's where I wasn't buying the Ravenclaw thing, but you, I, think I mean, very, you guys are right. Ravenclaws, I think they're very different Ravenclaws. Yeah. 
I mean, I just like that whole presentation thing. Like, yeah, that's what I was saying about um, Madeline from Big Little Lies too. It's like my, how I present myself is most important, which is like such a Slytherin trait in my opinion. And yes, unless that, I like I said, I do think she is really into luxury, but I, and I put Slytherin down first too, but I do think the whole reconstructing her system thing is like a very good point about her character. Yeah. Because she's trying, she's really trying to not be the person that she has written down in her notebook that she should be every day and that she's had since she was a little girl and which has like governed her life. But she, I think she, if she was a Slytherin, she hit her ambition and she realized she was completely empty. So I actually don't think, I think she gets to a point where she finds that's not what she wants. So that's why she has to go back to the drawing board and recreate her system. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to go back to it. I was just thinking about it more. Yeah. In comparison to this person, but um, Tiffany? Tiffany, such a little princess. I, Tiffany also is very concerned with like appearance and yeah. I put her in Slytherin. Um, I think but I buy that. But I could also buy like Hufflepuff. Not that I think she's necessarily caring about people, but I do think she's like trying to keep the friend group. She like wants love. She's in a love house. Yeah, I think it's Slytherin because I really do not bother on the whole to keep track of the men's names, I must admit. Um, her husband, I think it's in like season two or three, where we find out that like, oh, possibly he had been stepping out on Tiffany, but then they worked through it or whatever. Um, and I do think Tiffany is like, this is my man and this is the decision I've made. And, you know, we're going to work through whatever. And that's just how it is. Right. And I think Kelly is in her circle. She's less wild about Molly and Issa. Like if they're very like a group of four, but they're also solidly two groups they're two they're two yeah I mean and that was her whole journey this season was she was like my person maybe doesn't want to be my person anymore yeah um and she was like really crushed by that and the idea but she also this season had like a bachelorette, I mean, not a bachelorette party, a baby shower where she had multiple pictures of herself, like, as Beyonce. And I forgot about that. This is like a, a packed season. Yeah, there was a lot going on, but I do think she's very- Oh, the baby shower was last season. Oh. She was pregnant for an obnoxiously long time, I just have to say. Yes. The yes. timeline got really weird. Yes, you're right. The Yes, because- um, <laughs> fucking dro right Ugh. sorry i didn't put fucking dro on here to sort because I, I don't need to talk about him you don't need to speak about that Ugh. uh let's sort the men <laughs> oh wait let's do we want to do frida oh yes frida i just said aesthetically hufflepuff but i don't remember enough about her personality I was sweat on her. I think she has like a Ravenclaw mind and a Gryffindor heart. I think I ultimately put her in Gryffindor because I think she's very cause oriented. Yeah. And she's not afraid to speak up when 
she sees the problem. Like, I think that awkward situation in season two um, was a really um, uncomfortable position for her to be as a white woman speaking right. to a person about a potentially prejudiced black person. Yeah, that was rough for her. It was rough. And she's like trying to be delicate and then she's just really frustrated that Issa is like, no, I'm going to ignore that 100%. Right. And she's, and she's correct and she stands for the fact that she's correct. Yeah. And then she ultimately does end up um, she falters a bit because um, she gets a promotion at work and she doesn't want to like put her neck out on the line for Issa, but then she does end up doing it because I think she's just like a good, solid Gryffindor that like is yeah. ready to take the steps, you know? Is she kind of like Hermione-esque, you think? Um, I, I mean, yes, maybe she is what Hermione could be as an adult. I think she's much yeah. more level-headed than Hermione um about her causes like she she just like I what I remember she and like Issa work together and stuff and she like always like does her homework it seems yeah for sure (laughs) that's yes yes she does have she's very prepared I think where she I mean she's a great contrast to Issa as a Gryffindor because we were talking about Issa is searching for her cause. Frida has found hers. Like she genuinely cares about the kids and about them receiving resources where Issa is like, I know I should have a cause. Maybe this is it. And that really reflects the difference in the way they approach their work. Although I'm so glad Issa got out of there for other reasons because the microaggressions she was dealing with from those people, wow, was a lot. That was, I want, now I want Frida to get out of there or to own that company. I want- I want what's best for her. I'm worried she's out of the show for good now. Yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't really have a strong opinion on Lawrence or Daniel. Laura. Um, Lawrence, um, I put as Hufflepuff. That's what I put. Because <laughs> I have, have that too. Or bravery. Or... I also think Lawrence. And this is, I was re-watching, and oh, uh, what's her name? The bank teller that he dates in season two. Mm-hmm. Where she tells him, you think you're a good guy. <laughs> um, and that's a very Lawrence theme, that his image of himself is this, like, virtuous Hufflepuff. But then, as people point out to him, you literally spent four years on Issa's couch doing nothing. Um... But I think he is a Hufflepuff. I just think, like Issa and Molly, he's bad at it, and we're watching him go on a journey. Yes. I I, I always go back to how he treated that woman in season two. I think it was horrible, and it made me really sad for her. Yeah. Um, she was lovely. She did not deserve that. No. And when and not at her go family, to your girlfriend's barbecue and fluck. Yes. And flake, I mean. I love, (laughs) we knew exactly what I was talking (laughs) about. Right. Uh, Horrible. Um, Daniel, I put a Gryffindor. I think him and Issa make a really toxic Gryffindor couple, and I would like to see it end. Yeah. Like, very attractive. I get it, but. I mean, like, yeah, he's beautiful. He's absolutely gorgeous. 
if but I by was the time you're living on this man's couch and you've not defined this relationship and also you cheated on your long-term boyfriend with him like this is not a good situation um I like had to remember who he was I was like oh man he's hot I forgot <laughs> and then yeah. I was like I'm getting like a Slytherin vibe because like their whole, I think it's because their relationship was like seedy, I guess yeah. in that sense. But like, that doesn't mean he was, I just like, I associated it with like kind of a sneaking around and stuff like that. Yeah. He has like a code of, I think he's a very like Marauders era Gryffindor, you know, <laughs> like he's like ultimately doing the right thing. Like mysterious. Huh? Like a serious? I think he's definitely, I actually think he's more of a James, but like, yes, but also serious. Like, would do the prank, but also is like doing the prank because the guy is like not nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, the actor said he doesn't think Daniel is out there fucking around. So like for Daniel, it's intentional. Like he mm-hmm. thought that he and Issa were like, you know, that she was the one that got away and this was their big romantic moment. They got back together. So I think that's really interesting. Like, definitely on our end, watching Issa, knowing she was fully entangled, um, then seeing her uh, sleep with him, definitely seedy and shady. But from, like, Daniel's point of view, it's the end of a rom-com, you know? Yeah. She's back in his arms. Yeah, I couldn't parse that. And I, again, I only know the first season, but I was like, I just associate it with like sneaking around. And yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, I don't think he's sneaky as a person. I think he's yeah. a very upfront, I'm going to tell you exactly how it is kind of person. Right. Which he does in season three when he's, when she's sleeping on her, on his couch and she's kind of playing games and he's like, well, are we getting back together or are we not? Just tell me it straight up because I'm into you. I've always been into you. Yeah. Which feels very Gryffindor to me. Anytime I can, there's like laying it out flat out is just like, I'm here. I like what you see is what you get with him. Like, I don't think there's any ulterior motive there. He's like, I want to do my music. I want to. And Oh, also the way he does his music is so Gryffindor. He can't like be, he can't adapt to anybody else's way. Yeah. He's like, um, I'm doing it for my art. And my art my art says that I have to do it X, Y, and Z. And if you don't like it, then you don't take it. My art's too good for you. Which is <laughs> such a Gryffindor way to go about being in like in a field that is all about like working the room and making the right connections. Like he can't do it. Fair, I relate, but like it's too <laughs> Yeah. yeah, he is a very Gryffindor personality. We did it. Uh, oh, we. Oh, sorry. We added one more person to oh. Insecure from the last couple seasons. Nathan, um, who seemed flaky until we found out there was like a legit reason. Yeah, who seemed flaky until we realized. Oh no he's having a mental health issue. Right. Um, I like that. I think Nathan might ultimately be a Gryffindor. Um, he's a, a like four notches down from like Issa intensity, I think. 
because like he, he he similarly has a like a dream of doing something for his community and he's got his barbershop and he's got like the music thing out back and all um I think he despite having a bipolar issue is a lot more well adjusted than she is especially since he's like found like proper medication and treatment yeah like in the season he knows what he's about with it he's not yeah. like yeah, he's not going untreated. He's like, he has identified the problem and is like, hey, I'm getting help for it. And then he ends up expressing it to her. Right. In a very mature way. <laughs> yeah, I think he's very direct. I, I see, like I said, like he's like a pretty chill Gryffindor is my feel with him. I mean, very- I kind of ship it as endgame. Yeah. I think it's a good compromise between like, the um, sort of like loose chill thing that I think she likes in Lawrence and then the like driven, um, you know, cause driven sort of thing that she gets from Daniel. I think Nathan's a great mix and I can see them being, cause I think that ultimately Lawrence is gonna go big places as far as like he's into tech He's moving to San Francisco, probably. I think he's going to go places that are going to take him far away from Issa and into a world she's not interested in joining. But I think that with Nathan, he's going to be a person who's always on a smaller scale and community driven. And I just think she'll flourish. I think they're a great match. Yeah, I really like them too. Um, I also just remembered that we he may be introduced this chill guy in Uber but I mean, in Lyft, but uh, he soon becomes a guy who punches man in Lyft, which is a very Gryffindor thing. I forgot about that. And then of course, he's also the person who brings Andrew into our lives, AKA Asian Bay. Oh, yes. I almost told us to sort him, but. Listen, I'm pretty sure he's off the show now, so. Yeah. Asian Bay, Andrew, you were a beautiful man. And also stealth Australian, which I don't know, just always blows my mind. Thank you uh, for your service, Asian Bay. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, Molly, once again, <laughs> ruined the situation. swing this relationship. Alrighty, now we have done it. Woo-hoo! You guys have probably only been listening to us for two hours, but we've been listening to each other since 6 p.m. 11 p.m. Um, it's a marathon, not a race. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, thanks for coming on for such a master class episode, Jessa, and making it a master class. Thank you for having me. Sorting is one of my favorite things ever. I like everyone to be in their proper boxes. <laughs> that sounds like a raven. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> it's a journey. We're solving it. Is. Um, well, stay magical, y'all. I'm sure. I'm sorry, guys. Fuck off. <laughs> it's okay. Mischief managed. Bum 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 bum.